everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 180. Yay! Wait. <laughs> Just wait. We are not here. <laughs> yep, you're just going to get me going. 180. You could have won a boat, but you won. Fuck all. Thanks for playing. Good night. That's it. That's all you're going to get. Um, like, uh, like our, uh, any listeners outside of the UK will not understand that reference even remotely. <laughs> and probably those under the age of. I barely understand that reference. <laughs> uh, I, oh, fuck. Do we need to explain it? No, don't. No, let's just move on. Fine. We'll move on. Um, this week, uh, we've got rid of Paul. Um, we have shipped him off to America. We are sorry, America, but right. uh, we'd had enough of his Nintendo stuff. Yeah, we and just shipped the all the bad stuff over there. Yeah. So we've sent him over there, and hopefully you can sort out this I hate Nintendo bollocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but we drafted in a uh, freshly released from slaving away at a uh, glitch free gaming towers. Uh, the our editor in chief extraordinaire Ben. Yeah, hello. So uh, Ben has been a uh, Ben has been a man at the scene. Yes. Uh, yeah, ben, Ben's been doing stuff. Good things though. No, nothing you you know need to hide the children from or get yeah, a special red. Just doing, doing stuff. Nothing like that. Hangs. <laughs> but we will uh, we'll get to that in good time. Um, let's say uh, do what we normally do and uh, talk nonsense about video games. We've got quite a few to talk about. Um, too many. And too many. Yeah. Uh, uh, so. Looking at one, I think, uh, Ben, this has intrigued me. I've seen this on the PS4 store uh, quite recently. Tell us all about Danger Zone. Danger Zone, yes. So you remember the good days of Burnout, right? Yes. Yeah, Burnout Paradise. No. (laughs) Shut up up and leave. Burnout Paradise is the best Burnout game. We're talking, we're talking like Burnout. Burnout 3. 3, yeah. Burnout 3 was alright. Burnout 2 yeah, was what, good. What was the best part of Burnout 3? The racing. Uh, it was the uh, was it crash zones. Yes. Oh, man. Exactly that. We were, we were so, disagreements about what was good in Burnout. Wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the crash zone or but I can't I can't remember if that was the exact name for it or not. But that yeah, I think it was just Burnout. crash. I think it was just crash mode. Yeah. Um. So, in case anybody doesn't know, it was essentially here's a busy intersection, navigate your way through it, and cause as much destruction as possible. Um, and it, it tallied up your score depending on how many vehicles you made crash, and there was collective collectibles to pick up mm-hmm. with your burning carcass of a car, uh, and you got enough vehicles to smash, and you could blow your car up again. Yeah, you got these. You got like after touches you could use to crash breakers. Yeah, yeah, crash yeah. Breakers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was it. So these guys, I can't remember exactly the name of the developers, but it's literally four or five guys from down south have built that as a game and released it on PS4. Um, 
and called it Danger Zone. Is it um, any good? Because their last it, game was Dangerous Golf and it was fucking terrible. Was it? <laughs> yeah, I never played that. It was really um, bad. It's it's almost there. <laughs> it's 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 what it says on the tin. It is the crash mode from Burnout. You have a car that you drive towards an intersection and you cause as much destruction as possible. Mm. They've added a couple of wee extra things, so <clears throat> it's all done as a kind of crash test scenario. So the cars are labelled up with all the kind of crash mm. test uh, yellow and black circles and stuff. Um, it's all built as if it's in a warehouse, so the track kind of generates at the start of the level. Uh, and there's a floor. If you fall off the road and touch the floor, yeah, you, um, you basically lose. Uh, like your car gets wiped out, and and, and that's that. Um, yes, sorry, again. It, but if, it, yeah, if, but if you knock other cars off, then you get extra points for doing that. Okay, that makes um, sense. The only thing, like, because it is in a warehouse, it's like there's, it's always, it always feels really claustrophobic. Yeah. Does it all like, take place in the warehouse? Um, so far from yeah. everything I've played of it, yes. I've, I've, there's it three. Seems like it, it seems like it get very samey very quickly. Yeah. Yes, it does. It does. That's true. Um, I would, I would like to see the sky. <laughs> you know, Blow up. You like see the sky and crash only... into it. Yeah. Some, some natural light would, would be nice. Um, there's also like it's built it's built in the Unreal Engine. Um the the model that they've used for the player's car, I'm pretty sure I have the same model somewhere on my PC. <laughs> um, so it's all kind of like they've used freely available assets. The 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 most disappointing thing I find that the the game is named Danger Zone. What is the first thing that comes into your head when you hear the words "danger zone"? Uh, at this Top point, gun. it would probably be Archer. Top, Top Gun, the soundtrack, the music, the song. Yes, yeah. There is, there no, is the no soundtrack Archer. at all in the game. If only Stu was here. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. there's, there's absolutely no soundtrack at all in the game. The only the only noise is, is noise of burning vehicles. Insane. Yeah. How do you ship a game without a soundtrack in general? Never mind without the song that is the name of your game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is what it says in the tin. It's got all the crash, well, they call it smash breakers and there's the, there's the kind of collectibles. So there are in every level three bronze and two silver coin collectibles that you need to pick up. There will be a variety of extra Smash Breaker ones that allow you to blow your car up again. Okay. If you collect all of those coin collectibles, then a golden one appears. And if you manage to collect that also, then you get like an extra 5 million mm-hmm. credits because you've collected everything in the, in the level. And you, you can boot level and there's online leaderboards. And I managed to get to, cool. I managed to, get to rank 22 on one of the early levels. Nice. But there's, you know, there's low thousands numbers of people playing it so oh, far. Right. No, um, super popular. It, we managed to get, or I managed to get a hold of a review copy. 
to talk about it on the podcast and, and put it up on the website. So, Mike, am I right in thinking it is about nine pounds? Yeah, case? it's a uh, either seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine. Um, yeah, there's a discount just now for PlayStation Plus, or at least there was. It may have been before it came out. Right, um, there was a discount for PlayStation yeah. Plus on PS4. So, right. yeah, I I did fancy it, um, but then I just looked at the graphics and it looked janky as hell. Uh, yeah. You know, from the, the gameplay, the the little yeah. trailers that you get on PSN now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it runs fairly smooth. It, it's, the graphics are fairly basic. There's nothing yeah. fantastic looking about it. Um, it's just a bit of good fun. And I kind of thought there was maybe not an awful lot to it, but I'm reckoning there must be about 27 levels in it. Right, and, uh, okay. Some of them are pretty challenging to get the top score. So there's plenty of there's plenty there for you to do. Yeah. It's also uh, something I'll probably end up yeah. picking up on sale, I think. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up on PS Plus. Yeah, that, that too. It is. Kind of, it seems like a real bad time to be launching as well. <laughs> like to be launching your car game in the same week that Wipeout Omega Collection comes out and yeah. Dart 4 comes out. <laughs> it's like that's uh, busy. <laughs> That's yeah. That's just a tough break. It's... Yeah, like Mario Kart just came out. And it's a different system, obviously, because it's not on the Switch. But still, yeah, you know, it's a busy time for games what have cars in them. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's know. it's a it's a good wee bit of fun when you can't think of what else to play. Yeah, that's fair. I I do have a lot of games like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. So, talking about uh, racing games that came out this week, I think both of you have been playing Wipeout. Oh, yeah. I think Mike might play a little bit more than me, because he got his <laughs> copy yesterday. I am, I'm, yeah. I'm insanely jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I uh, bought a physical version, and one of the UK online stores have a habit of shipping things so that you normally get them a day before a street date mm-hmm. just to make sure that you get it on time yeah. and uh, so I got it yesterday and uh, I mean I think I've only played maybe 15 races or so so not many at all yeah that's probably that's um, more than me I've probably played about like 8 and I uh, Man, it's it is definitely worth the money. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think you can. Most people will know if they they want it or not because it is just Wipeout twenty four eight for the Vita, Wipeout HD and Wipeout HD Fury all bundled into one thing. Yeah, and with all of them having their graphics upgraded, which most notably would like is the biggest change for twenty four eight because it was a Vita game. Um. Because that it looked really nice on the Vita, but it didn't run super great because it was on the Vita, and now it's locked at sixty frames per second, ten eighty p, four K if you have it on a PlayStation Pro. Like apparently, it just uh-huh. runs if you. It's weird. Apparently, if you turn off motion blur, it runs native at four K, which is weird. 
but he... yeah that <laughs> yeah. um yeah. I, yeah i've got a 4k tv i don't have the playstation pro so it automatically kicks into you know the hdr mode and all of that yeah. looks very, very pretty um so it mm, i'd imagine it's got a tiny bit of an upgrade running on the yeah. ps4 as well uh, the mean, pro even the hdr seems like it probably helped quite a lot because it's a very yeah. bright and vibrant game yeah yeah. Um, I don't think there's much we can tell people. Like you say, you know, if you're considering the game, you've played at least one of these. Um, yeah. There is. They've added a new track. Uh, sorry, not a new track, a new ship. Uh, and I think I found it earlier on, but I wasn't too sure. I found a ship in the the ship selections for uh, Wipeout HD, and it's called. Uh, I actually have the game open, so I, uh, it's Tigron. I don't know if we had the Tigron ships before. Uh, I don't remember. Um, that might be. Yeah. I know the yeah. pre-order one was the Van Uber. Which yeah, I. Pretty neat. Yeah, that, that was it. I was a little bit annoyed, so I had cancelled my pre-order with Amazon, mm-hmm. and you were going to get all the download codes and everything as well. And so I'd ordered it with, uh, I may as well say, I ordered it with Shop 2 so that I could get the the special uh, slipcase that makes it look like a, a PlayStation 1 game. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a really big um, PlayStation 1 game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that looks really cool and everything, but I never got any any download codes. Yeah, so you didn't get a ship or no. the themes or the... I no. The digital uh, art book might actually only have been for digital pre-orders. There's digital uh, artwork I've yes, not looked at yeah. yet, but I've heard that's quite good. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'm slightly disappointed in that. I might contact them and see, you know, because I was pretty sure that you were getting it when you were pre-ordering it through them as well. Yeah. Um. So, if not, I'm sure it will go... It will be DLC at one point. Yeah, or check if you've got, like, an email in your spam filler or something like that. Yeah, that's a nice... Uh, yeah. It may be worth a shout as well, just to double check. But uh, yeah, I, I, one of the things I've been playing, so I've been done about you, Kieran. But I've jumped. I played a little bit of all three of them, and I've right now I'm playing more. I've not played any Fury, but I jumped between the two. Ah, right. Uh, the one thing that I did notice was uh, playing a couple of races of twenty forty eight is one, the difficulty level of 2040, it was definitely ramped up uh, right from the get-go and also man, I am bad at uh, Wipeout 2048. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, because I started playing, uh, I've mainly played races in Wipeout HD so far and I was saying to you before the podcast, like, kind of the opposite where Wipeout HD, I forgot how slow that game starts. Uh-huh. Like, the first, you know, that first tier of races are all really slow. And as I'm playing them, like, I could have sworn Wipeout was faster than this. Like, what is... But as you get through them, everything starts speeding up and speeding up. It's like, oh, wait, yeah, I remember. This game's going to get hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember even when it came out in Vita, though, that 2048 had a, a really, like, expedited difficulty curve. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, one of the other things that I noticed with the, the Omega collection, and it's just a silly little thing, but it has no opening movie. Yeah. You know, there's no opening little scene. Uh, I really liked the one from 2048, and it shows you kind of the evolution of racing mm, and ends from, up with the, the, the anti-grav racing. Yeah, it's like from Formula 1 to... Yeah, the formula and, E. We're getting there. <laughs> Robo and, race. Uh, yeah, and see, so yeah, I I missed that. Um, I you know I think those are in the digital art book. From what I understand, those ah, right. a, a, entry or opening videos are there. But yeah, oh, it's okay. a shame there isn't. They should just be there. They should be in the game. Yes, That's yeah, a weird thing to exclude. Yes, yeah, That'd be the gist of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, apart from that, really loving the, the presentation of it. Otherwise, uh, they've added uh, a couple of new songs to the soundtrack as well. Yeah. yeah the, uh, the soundtrack yeah. is the same like across all the games now, which obviously it wasn't before because they were two different games. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so they've uh, changed. There's a new soundtrack, although most of the songs are from... Not all of them, but most of them are from previous... Game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're, they're pushing. They're saying here that there's new music from Swedish House Mafia and The Prodigy. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't picked up in on any of the new stuff yet. I I know uh, The Prodigy's Invaders Must Die is on there, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that was on twenty forty eight anyway. I think it was. Maybe there was definitely a Prodigy song on there. There's usually yeah. a Prodigy song in those games. <laughs> but yeah uh, really good definitely enjoying it and we'll be playing more and probably going to be playing some online with uh, you Kieran yeah definitely I look forward to getting into some of the online part the damn sure. good game <laughs> it is indeed and talking about damn good games and new ones as well you picked up the new version of Tekken I did. I've got Tekken 7. Uh, I picked up PS4, although there is a PC version of it, which is apparently quite a good port. But I picked up PS4 uh, at launch, kind of just on a whim, even though I've never been the biggest Tekken fan. Um, be more of a Soul Calibur guy, but it doesn't look like we're getting one of those anytime soon, so <laughs> I'll settle for second best. And it's a really good game. It's got like a crazy amount of characters on it which Tekken always kind of does it's got like a good selection of characters that all play very differently and uh, some weird characters in it as well like Akuma from Street Fighter is in there and plays like a Street Fighter character so like most of the Tekken characters the attacks they do are you know all the combos and special attacks stuff like they do is you know, like a direction and a button press followed by another direction and a button press or something like that. Whereas, you know, Street Fighter stuff is usually do a quarter circle and then punch or do, you know, your shoryuken motion and punch. Yeah. And Akuma does all those things and has fireballs, which is kind of weird because not a lot of characters have things like fireballs in Tekken. But he fits right in, I feel. And they even put him in the story mode, which is weird. He kind of just shows up and he's like, I'm part of the story now, guys. And it's like, um, okay. 
I guess. <laughs> like, she would just show like the whole story mode is supposed to be like accumulation of. Uh, again, I've not been playing a lot of Tekken games recently, so I assume the last couple of Tekken game stories. But it's kind of there's two big corporations that are basically waging war across the world. One of them's run by originally it seemed it was Jin, but something happened to Jin in the last game, and he's in a coma, maybe? Right. And now Hihachi is running that company, and Kazuya is running the other company. Uh, and Kazuya is unhappy because Hihachi threw him into a volcano one time, <laughs> and also threw his mum into a volcano one time, because Hihachi throws people into volcanoes a lot. Because that's what <laughs> yeah. Hihachi does, apparently. <laughs> uh... And it's kind of, you play as Hihachi for most of the story mode, and it's kind of about him kind of trying to get one up on Kazuya. And then Akuma randomly shows up and is like, I'm going to kill both of you. And Akuma's like, who are you? Why are you here? And he's like, I'm working for your dead wife. And he's like, I killed her decades ago. Why are you here now? And then Akuma's just like, I- I'm here. I'm here to kill you. Guys, don't, don't question... I'm for Street Fighter. Guys, don't question it too much. <laughs> um, but it's a pretty good story mode, uh, despite weird things like that. It kind of goes a bit... It takes itself very seriously. Despite being nonsense about people throwing each other into volcanoes. And... It has like a lot of kind of nice, kind of cool story beats that are shown in really nice kind of CG cutscenes that kind of the way that Mortal Kombat has popularized kind of you know swing almost directly into gameplay and then they do this kind of cool stuff in some of the matches in the story mode where like the very first fight in that game you're playing as a child Kazuya fighting Hihachi <laughs> and he's right. like the size he's like up to Hihachi's knee basically and it's basically just this, <laughs> this dad beating the shit out of his kid but um they have a couple of weird little matches like that and they have uh, they do this kind of cool thing where they redo a couple of scenes from previous Tekken games like as far back as like you know the first couple of Tekken games um and when you're in those fights it will kind of flash up things from those original cutscenes as you're doing the fight so I can't remember which Tekken game it was I think it was this year two or three maybe it was four there's one that has um that cutscene of Hihachi and Kazuya fighting like just a room full of uh, the robot dude uh, Jack uh, oh I, Jack too yeah and then they're fighting like dozens of him and then like the last one's face kind of opens up and explodes so they right. they turned that into an actual playable fight in this game so there's just a level in the game that is you fighting against like waves and waves of jacks and it's all in the tech 7 engine so it all looks really nice and it has kind of flashes of that original cutscene running over the top of it and it's just a really cool like kind of cinematic effect that you don't really expect from a you know a fighting game right uh, we have some audio there Mike? We. Ben? 
Uh, I don't know what that is. Oh, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was me. It was you. <laughs> Ruining everything. It, uh, yeah, just ru- ruining everything. Um, uh, just my. Uh, there we go. I've just muted whatever it was. Listen to music. Terrible. Tekken's not that boring, guys. Tekken's good. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it plays like Tekken still. Like you're, you know, juggling a lot, which is something I'm not very good at. All of your combos keep people in the air for the entire match if you're good at it, which I am not. So I spend most of the time in the air. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like a really good game. It's maybe a bit short on modes. Because it seems like there's a story mode which is very short. There's the. There's. All the online stuff is kind of exactly as you'd expect it to be. There's an arcade mode. Then the only other mode is there's a treasure hunter mode. Which the is kind of just a. A 1v1 fight against a character. I think they claim that they are kind of player ghosts, which they've done in the past. Um, and they have, like, kind of custom char- characters, so they all look kind of different. And, yeah. Uh, every fight you win, you unlock uh, more gear for the character customization stuff that's in there. Which is right. neat. You yeah. customize characters quite a lot. There's some weird shit in there. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't seem as in depth. What's that? Can you give Hayachi more hair? Ah, uh, yes. You can 100% definitely give Hayachi more hair. Or you can <laughs> give him a Skeletor mask. Which is also I don't. Weird. I don't think it's a proper Skeletor mask. It is totally just a Skeletor mask. Like, it legitimately <laughs> looks just like Skeletor. Like, it's the right colour, it's the right hood. It's, it's really good. That's what my Yoshimitsu is wearing just now. Uh, Yoshimitsu looks weird in this game. He's got like big tentacles coming out of his head. Yeah, they didn't they start that with um, Tekken Three, where they decided that they were going to make Yoshimitsu look different every time. Yeah, that sounds about right. They did it in the Soul Calibur games as well. Yeah, uh, but he looks he just straight up looks like a weird alien in this one, which but he still plays like Yoshimitsu. He still. Well, I don't know if he can hop on his swords, but he can use them as, like, weird stilts that he walks around on. Which is pretty good. Um, Alright. You can sit down on the ground and pray. Cause that's, or meditate, I guess. Because, yeah. Wish you missed it. But yeah, uh, I definitely recommend that if you like fighting games. It seems like it's a really good one. Um, I imagine that the competitive scene will be getting very into it. Because... They haven't had a Tekken game for a while. I mean, I guess there's Tekken yes. Tag too, but even that was a while ago now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was that never came to current gen consoles, did it? That was a PS3 360 game. It was, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's good to have. Cool. Um, ben, you've been playing some Shovel Knight. I have. I heard you hadn't played before, which is a travesty. I've, I'd never played it before. Um, so as shall be alluded to later I was on a very long journey over the weekend and road trip my friend who was driving at the time said his switch was in the bag behind me 
So I grabbed it, and it was the first time I'd actually held a Switch, to be fair. Oh, really? Um, what did you think of the hardware? It's more substantial than I expected it to be. Yeah, I feel like that's most people's kind of first impressions. Like, Yeah. yeah. It was definitely, definitely a neat bit of kit. Um, it was... Like, it was a bit heavy, but it was still quite comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the controllers at the end, they're obviously quite small. Yeah, they but, are. But, I, but it wasn't... I've got small hands anyway, so it was <laughs> fine. Um, but yeah, Shovel Knight, uh, I had never played before. Um, I quite enjoyed it. It's really really nice little bit of fun looks really good uh, I like the fact that it took me a while to die but I like the fact that when I did I just lost half my half my what loot yeah it's and got that able, kind of Dark Souls-y thing going basically yeah I was able to go back and, and pick it up as well which yeah uh, I'm trying to think oh yeah Ark Ark is the um uh, only other game I've played that does that. Alright. Yeah, Whereas it's if, kind of a if, Dark Souls staple, really. Yeah. I, I've never been one for Dark Souls, so... Yeah, not a big fan of stuff. I like Bloodborne, though. But yeah, I really like yeah. that uh, the Shovel Knight did that. Um, um, but I suppose the best thing about it was the soundtrack. The soundtrack's awesome. Yes, yeah, so that is a fantastic soundtrack. It's one of my favourites. I was I was happy enough just to continue playing just to keep listening more than anything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. It's yeah, it's one of those games that looks great, it sounds great, and it's that weird kind of mix of like it is basically a Mega Man game at its core. Yeah. Like in terms of like how the levels are structured and you know, all that stuff, like it is you know, through and through basically just a Mega Man game, but they've made it their own thing. Like it's enough enough uniqueness to it that it doesn't feel like one of those kind of fan games that went out to make a you know to make a Mega Man game mm. but then there's enough stuff that's like oh yeah this dragon that's lying here that shoots fire that kind of curls on the ground and you have to jump over and go hit it that's the same as that big yeah. dog thing that did that in Mega Man 2 yeah you gotta bounce off bubbles yeah exactly that kind of stuff but yeah and then also it's got you know this shovel thing that's basically kind of like the pogo from the DuckTales game you, if you jump and push down you'll hit things as you're shoveling underneath it's just awesome yeah um, yeah but it certainly passed some of the some of the time in the road trip back up back up north on the Sunday night um, I suppose while we're on it uh, the other game that I that I tried on the Switch was Mario Kart. Mm. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah, that one. Um, it was. It looked. It looked really good on the Switch. Yeah. Uh, the. A lot of the tracks have a kind of. Like I, I, I was trying to think of the word to describe it, but it's like you you come off of a ramp and basically the track will change perspective. Yeah, like you kind of make a ninety degree turn in midair, and then yeah, are heading none in a of those, direction. Pretty much none of those tracks are flat. 
Like all of them yeah. are at a slight angle at all times. Yeah. That's something I, that I thought that was really quite really quite cool, quite Yeah, quite I really neat. like it. I'm not saying um, that's a, a bad thing. Just yeah. it, is, it is noticeable. Yeah, I think the the cars have all got glider or or something to help them kind of float mm. when they're doing that sort of tr- transition as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I quite like that. I like that game more than I thought I would because I'm not a big Mario Kart fan. I know that Mike liked Mario Kart Eight quite a lot on the Wii U. I did, uh, yes, yeah. Um, um yeah. Uh, so I'm, I, I am quite curious to try it when I eventually pick up a Switch. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know if it warrants actually buying the game again, though. Um, Which is, I don't know if it does, except for like you know, if you really want to play multiplayer, right? Which it has been fun multiplayer. I played yeah a decent amount of it online. Um, yeah, the only thing is though, is there still going to be people playing it when I pick up a Switch? You know, is is it going to be cult of the new that's going to kill in that's going to kick in and kill the online on that? I think there I probably know, will still be some people because yeah, I mean, Mario Kart is always you know the online is always popular. Yeah, yeah. There's also just yeah. not a lot of racing games on the Switch or coming to yeah, Switch yeah. anytime soon. Like there's not right. There's not really any competition for it. Look, people will leave for other stuff. Like you know, if they really want online games, you know, Arms and Splatoon and stuff like that are coming out, but. In terms of direct competitors of like racing games, you know, Fast that's RMX came out of launch, and that's kind of it. Yeah. Unless I'm forgetting something, which I might be. After that. Uh, wasn't the fast? Was it Fast Neo Racing or? Yeah, that's Fast RMX. That was out of launch. Oh right. Um, but that's the only other racing game. Which also that game's bloody hard. Speaking of difficulty ramps and. Yeah. Wipeout style games. That yes, one, that one is. One. <laughs> I think Mario yeah. had had once again kind of nailed the difficulty in mm-hmm. the game. Um, I was I was playing uh, was it one fifty? Yeah, cup. And I came like, I came like second, third, third, second, first, and basically tied to win the championship. You know, that's like that's the perfect balance for a racing game for me. Yeah. That's to be something, something to aspire to. You're you're not winning every game, but you still have a chance to win overall. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's one of the things Mario Kart has always done quite well. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good at yeah. banding stuff. Yeah. Other cool. than sometimes you just get hit by a shell and then you fall down to the last place yeah. and you're like, God damn. Or or, or, or by your own shell. Well, yeah, that can also happen. Yeah, that, yeah that's possible as well. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the, the switch itself was was interesting. Um, like I, I never picked up a Wii U. So the last thing, last Nintendo console I played was a Wii. Um, but as a as a handheld, it's really really good yeah the screen, I, I really the screen is fantastic great quality 
Mm-hmm. Um, my my friend is actually coming over tomorrow, so I'm hoping he's going to bring it, and we're going to dock it and have a look at it on the PC as well, oh, on the on the telly as well. Cool. Yeah. I think you'll you'll see quite a decent bump there. Like the bump up from docked to, uh, or from dock uh, from handheld to docked uh, in Mario Kart even is quite big. Like it looks really good as a portable game, but it, it looks, you know, like a proper full fledged console game when it's on TV. Cool. It's me. Cool. Um, so, uh, anything? Did you play anything else on the Switch, or was it just those two things? It, it was just those two. Um, my friend had had Zelda as well because that's the only game that's really on the Switch. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I've never played a Zelda game, so what? I wasn't going to start now. What? It's just yep, I've, I've, I've never really had that many Nintendo consoles, so <laughs> that Zelda game is possibly the best game this year. But yeah, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, uh, Kieran, you have been playing some I Am Soon again. Uh, not again. I hadn't played it before are you sure yeah i'd said i, I wanted thought... to because it uh... seemed like trigger and i was like that seems cool but i never actually bought it because it was really expensive uh but then you bought it on the switch, switch where it was the most expensive <laughs> yes because um, <laughs> logic <laughs> uh basically yeah. before i was going on holiday i wanted something to take with me and play and i was going to get uh disgaea 5 which came out the day I went on holiday. Um, and so I was going to buy it physically because the digital copy was super expensive. The physical copy was you know, a lot cheaper. So uh-huh. I ended up not actually ordering it, but um, one of my friends accidentally ordered multiple copies. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just I'll sell this one to you at the price I got it. And I was like, yeah, fine, do that. His copy didn't show up before I left so I just didn't <laughs> manage to get it um, so instead I picked up I Am Sitsno before I left which I've been wanting to play for a while so it was, was kind of it was an alright kind of compromise cool. um, so that game is exactly what it looks like which is a, it is Chrono Trigger basically uh, all of the fight stuff in it is lifted like directly from Chrono Trigger um, you have a bunch of teammate stuff. You have combos that different characters can do together uh, just by having them in your party. Uh, there's uh, even just the way some of the characters are dressed and things like that are kind of meant to be kind of nods to that game. Like it's they knew what they were making very much. It seems like Square Enix made that company saying, hey, we want you to make old school RPGs. And they were like, okay, Chrono Trigger is an old school RPG. We'll make that. You aren't doing it, so why can't we? And <laughs> it's really good. It's uh, like the story of it so far. Like I've not played a massive amount of it when it's holiday because I was doing holiday things. But um, like so far, the story is basically you are hired by a shady figure that is definitely 
not a bad guy probably uh, to murder an innocent girl and Lovely. he's definitely not a bad guy probably <laughs> and he hires you to go to this place murder this girl and you go to this place and everyone's like oh yeah that girl yeah she's she's the sacrifice she has to be sacrificed to the demons so the demons won't murder us and you go and you encounter her and she's like oh yeah I need to be sacrificed to the demons or else the demons will just kill everyone so I'm gonna go do that and you're like no I need to murder you this is this is how this goes don't care if demons kill everyone and then shockingly people step in and you don't murder her and then you end up actually in her kind of guard basically to make sure that she can safely travel to the place she has to die rather than you know just die there and just die there (laughs) because the (laughs) demons are real sticklers about where people die so you can't just die that's anyone can just die yeah (laughs) right yeah i'm not super far into it yet so i I don't (laughs) know if there's going to be some kind of twist with that stuff or if it's just going to be yeah she dies or you know you find another solution to it when you get to that place or all of the sacrifice stuff was nonsense and a trick or something. Right. I don't know. But so far it's fun. I'm enjoying it quite a lot. Um, But I haven't played a lot of it since I got back from a holiday because I have Persona 5 to slowly get through. Which I've not been doing either, but I feel bad playing an RGRPG because I'm like, I should be playing Persona 5 right now. This is... (laughs) If I could play one of these games, it should be that one. I really like that game. I should. Be, uh... And then you're going to pick up Disgaea as well. I, I'm going to hold off on Disgaea for now, but I will probably pick up at some point. Yeah, that game's like forty billion hours long or something. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, everything I've heard about Disgaea is, hey, you can really fuck with the stats of all the characters in this game. Also, it will take you around 900 hours to do so. And it's like, oh, wow. well, that sounds good, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to play that someday. Some, some many days. Some many days. When I have infinite time and no other games are coming out. <sighs> Actually, no, I was going to say that's the dream, but really, it's not the dream. I want games to always be coming out. <laughs> and you'd be able to to buy them and not play them. Yeah, that's the dream. That's the dream. Um, but, Mike, you've been playing a game that you didn't buy. You didn't that have to I... buy it because it was free. Yes. Free. Yeah. Tell me about Marvel um, Heroes. I've never played it before. I, ah, right. Okay, so Marvel Heroes is... Um, a game that you and I spent a hell of a lot of time and money on. I was really tired when... that night when I... For people that are listening to this podcast who don't keep up with me and Mike's private conversations on Facebook, which <laughs> I hope is all of you, but you never know. Um, <laughs> I sent a message to Mike, like, or Mike sent a message saying, oh, this the Marvel Heroes out on PS4 soon. And I was like, oh, you'd really like that, Mike. You should play it. And Mike's like, we played hours of this game together Kieran. I was like oh <laughs> so we did you're you're right I forgot entirely it was just one of those <laughs> nights that I was like I didn't sleep 
I can't think. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Marvel Heroes is... Uh, it is like a MOBA, isn't it? Um, It's more like Diablo, I'd say. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a, a free-to-play Diablo clone. Um, In fact, plays... it's, made, it's made by a bunch of developers that worked on Diablo 2. And then All right. Blizzard. Um, where you are playing, pick a Marvel hero, and off you go on a dungeon crawl. Um, you know, going to beat up I don't know Doctor Octopus or something, and uh, pick up a load of loot on the way. Yeah. You'll pick up by uh, different things to help your costumes. It is it is Diablo loot that you're picking up. Uh, you can only store so much of it, and then you need to uh, pay for extra storage and. Uh, maybe you know, pay to get the 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 gems that you have worked into something for uh, you know some magical bracelet that gives you more power and things like that. Uh, the other way that you can get world uh, real money into the game as well is the character system that they have. So there is quite a large roster in Marvel Heroes where you can buy characters. Uh, normally, when you start the game you will get a on the PlayStation 4 version anyway you get enough credits to buy either two sort of not as well-known characters or you know a, a well-known character so for example you could maybe buy uh, magic and Nova or you could buy uh, the Hulk it could be a choice um, the game does give you opportunities if you grind your way through you would be able to buy other characters without spending real money and but if you're a little bit impatient you can or yeah. you just want to support the game you can put some real money into the game uh and this definitely seems to be like their main source of kind of income is that it's like hey buy buy the character you want and buy the costumes for that character you want because yes, you do a bunch of like yeah. the premium costumes is all that stuff in the ps4 one like the all the different premium costumes and stuff like that it is, yes, yeah. That's cool. So, um, normally when you buy a character, you'll get one, uh, you know, one costume. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you get two. So, uh, for example, for a limited time, I'm not too sure if it's still going on, but there what you had uh, Daredevil, you could get Daredevil, but you also got the, the black costume he wore in the Netflix series. Uh-huh. Uh, I, th- I think it's called The Man in Black a lot of the costumes have silly names but yeah you got uh, another costume with it for free as well which cool. doesn't happen Yeah, um, so there's normally three available costumes and you get one that comes with the character and the other two you can buy uh, either with earning credits or with uh, real world money every now and uh, again the, still- on the PC version at least they would uh, redesign some of the characters and give you an extra costume as well so, like, um, I played as Captain Marvel for a while. All right. But when she was first put in the game, she wasn't Captain Marvel. She was uh, Miss Marvel, because that's what she was in the comics. Uh, and you had to buy the Captain Marvel stuff separately. All right. And then they released an update that changed her from Miss Marvel to Captain Marvel and gave an updated version of her Captain Marvel suit. So then you had, for free, 
her Miss Marvel suit. If you bought another costume, you'd still have that, and then you'd have the updated one. All right. So when a character changes like that, they occasionally do that. But I think it's only... I don't know if there's many other examples of that. I just know specifically of that one, because that was the one I was privy to. That, yeah. Um, I'm not too sure. Uh, it's, you know, it is, it's Gajillion that's uh, still doing the game and everything, so I imagine they're going to, if the game warrants it, they will keep it up to date and do think, uh, little promotions and like that as well, I think, as well. The game is still... I think they're still calling it a beta as well. Alright, so, so it's kind of like an early access type thing. Yeah. Um, so, because yeah, there was the super early access where you could only get in by buying the founders packs. Yeah. And I think now they've told the progress on that as well. They did, yeah. They, they reset it back. So any money, any if you had real world money and you spent it, uh, you got it all back. And if you got any in-game currency free from buying the Founders Pack, you got them back as well. So they just reset it and let you go again. Um, Story-wise, it it is different from the... So the story mode in this is different from the story mode that was in Marvel Heroes. Oh, really? From what I've seen, yeah. Uh, And then, of course, there is... Once you play through the story mode, and it's a bit more like a tutorial, so it teaches you to go and look for separate rooms where you can fight the bosses and a little separate boss battle mm-hmm. uh and kind of all that stuff once that's done you can then go and run instances with people so you basically need to play through the story uh also when you play as a different character the story sets back to the beginning okay yeah so yeah it sets you it, it, because you've got a level one character it will knock you back to the beginning. Um, but if you've got three or four characters and you're playing a little bit and switching, um, their progress is saved as well. Uh, controlling it on the PlayStation 4 controller is absolutely amazing. The game feels like it should. that's the way it should have been played. Um, nice. It does feel a lot a lot more comfortable than the, the keyboard and mouse. Okay. Um, and it it looks slightly different, so it's still you know got that kind of asymmetric look, mm. but it looks more uh, it looks closer to uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Okay, that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, it looks more Marvel Marvel Ultimate Alliance than it does Sacred. Yeah, which would probably make more sense, you know, because. It's now on console. Yeah, yeah, so the it's camera's on kind of a little bit more zoomed in, a little bit at a kind of tighter angle rather yeah. than a bit more overhead. That makes sense. That probably just works better with the controller, I'd imagine, as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, really good. Um, you should check it out. It is a free download, um, and then you can throw some, some money at it as well. So I did that. Uh, I've put some money into the game. I now have three characters i think i've got uh the Maybe hulk of squirrel girl uh only one what clearly you've well, not invested enough money into it i don't i didn't think it would let me buy squirrel girl again and again and again <laughs> um i i sent uh, kieran a message a couple of days ago i i spent quite a bit of the night playing through marvel heroes and playing the squirrel girl and I'd sent him a message saying, there's nothing more therapeutic 
than watching a bad guy getting his face eaten off by radioactive squirrels. Squirrel <laughs> which is one of my favorite characters in that game. Yeah, and in Marvel I, in general. Really. Uh, yeah, that, so they've got the all the powers again, and one of them is you've got a radioactive uh, acorn, and you throw them on the ground, and these little radioactive squirrels come along, and uh, think of the Hulk in squirrel form; they just <laughs> you know rapidly attack somebody. Um, really, really cool. Uh, I've actually not played the Squirrel Girl since they redid all the because uh, a few patches go on PC, and I assume it's all the same on the PS4 one because I can't imagine they would use an older version of the game. Um, but a few patches ago, they basically redid a lot of the power system and kind of basically took a lot of powers away from people, so everyone had a more manageable number of powers rather than just having, hey, you can dump your points into like forty different things. Good luck. Uh-huh. Um, so I've not actually played the Squirrel Girl since they redid all that stuff, so I don't know. I need to jump back in and throw squirrels. Because I just remember it being she had dozens of attacks and almost all of them summoned squirrels in some way. And then eventually you would just have a <laughs> pack of squirrels just following you around, killing everything well, for you. <laughs> they they have that anyway. So when you start, once you do a couple of attacks, you end up with these little squirrels that will stay with you and they'll attack. And they do very uh, little damage, but if you use them in combination with the squirrel powers, yeah. and um, also when you have forty of them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just a swarm of squirrels. Yeah, um, yeah. I think each character has. I think there's something like maybe sixteen powers that you can unlock. Yeah, that seems like a bit um, less. Cause I imagine some of those are passives as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was definitely way more than that when the the game first launched. Yeah, which is fine. I, so it, it is making it more more manageable. Um, the way that you activate your powers is the you know the four uh, face buttons on the controller mm-hmm. will do uh, things, and then if you push a either the L two or the R two button, I forget which one it is, then that allows you to reach the second set of uh, four powers that are on the face buttons. Okay, cool. So it's like uh, Fable is always the thing I think of when something uses that kind of. I, w- I was thinking uh, Dragon Age. Yeah, yeah, Dragon Age as well. Yeah. I think yeah. Fable used to do it for the. It had like all the attacks on the face, and then you held it in to do magic. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, roughly like that. You can get it. Uh, you can set Squirrel Girl up that way, and I did it uh, inadvertently as well. All my. Uh, physical attacks are on the one face button and then the squirrel attacks are on the, the second page. That's fair. Um, I don't think I've been able but... to say that a character has squirrel attacks. Isn't that just like <laughs> a fun thing that that game and that series that that cinematic and comic book universe allows you to do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Does anyone but... in Injustice throw squirrels at people? Unfortunately not. Um... And I think I'm going to stop playing it. Just you know, send them a message. <laughs> you know, yeah. So yeah, I um, <laughs> that would be quite good. I finished the review, obviously, because the review is now on the site, and uh, I finished the story mode. Well, kind of finished the story mode. Uh, so. I don't. I can't remember how much I spoke about the story mode uh, the last time that we talked about it. But you would have certain you'd have certain points in the game where 
you've got uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow and they're off on a, a mission together and they come across uh, I don't know I think they come across Harley Quinn the first time or something um, and you know right we're going to fight and then the game says okay well which character are you going to use and you pick a character and then you you know you have your fight and the story moves on mm-hmm. once you get to the end of the game and you fight the big boss battle um, you get to a point where you have to make a choice and I'm not going to tell you who you have to choose between or what because it would spoil the the story of the game Batman but you have to make no well I know it is Deadpool (laughs) or Squirrel Girl Um, oh god God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah you you have to pick between um, you know one of the two characters and then you go through and that's the 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 character and make let's say the faction that you pick for the this little part of the game Mm. you go through that and um you know they fight against each other call each other names and then there's a baddie that comes into it you beat the baddie up uh once you've beaten the baddie up you start fighting with each other again the you know if you played the first injustice you'll know that kind of rhythm that the game does um it then finishes and you get this resolution no problem at all and you go well, hang on a sec. What would have happened if I picked the other character? Um, and you're able to go back and play from that point and see that. But uh, they've actually got something quite cool because what they say then is, well, okay, if you want to go back to that choice, the main choice between the two characters uh, to see what faction you're going to go with, you have to go back and you have to play every other choice of fight as well. Um, and there's near enough a choice of characters that you use for uh, every chariot. <clears throat> excuse me, every chapter in the early part of the game as well. So that choice I was telling you about with uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow, there's a choice with uh, Firestorm and Blue Beetle and uh, Black Adam and Aquaman. You know, you need to pick. You need to go back. And you can do it quite easily going through the menus. You can go to um, select chapter in the the story mode and you can pick the one that you were missing because it tells you which one you picked and which one you didn't. Uh, Once you've done all of those, you can then go back and play that final section again. That's cool. Um, Yeah, really cool. And it's a shitload of content because I still haven't... uh, I've been busy with other things as well, playing things. (laughs) for the site and uh, reviews and things like that but uh, yeah there's quite a lot of eating in that it's a lot of gameplay and that's really cool Uh, so I really liked the story mode it was excellent Um, I liked the the multiverse mode Uh, I like the idea where you can uh, the customising characters so we mentioned the customising characters on the last podcast and we said that you could change them and give them new move sets that's kind of right you can give them a you know the i was going to say fatalities but it's not the fatalities it's the uh in mortal combat it was a special move where you know you'd punch them and it would look like you were punching through the skeleton oh, and things the, like the that 
Yes, yeah. Um, Injustice has got those as well, um, and it's all to do, you know, with the each character's superpowers and yeah. things. Um, and you can choose those. You know, there's one or two different ones for the different characters, and you can earn them and then equip them um, oh, to cool. the characters. Uh, the different parts of their their costumes, like we said before, gives you different perks. It may give you a bit more defense. It may make you, you know, a little bit quicker when it comes to crouching attacks or things like that. Uh, so the the customization is not just like taking, you know, putting on a funny hat. Yeah, it, that hat actually does something, and I think this kind of if you build a, a costume and you get all the different parts. So let's say, for example, uh, you know. If it was Spider-Man and you were building the black symbiote suit, once you get the old symbiote suit together, you would get some sort of benefit. I like that your um, example is a character that's not in this DC fighting game. <laughs> well, I again, I'm quite conscious because I don't want, I don't want to give away or you know what characters are in there. And sometimes the like Spider-Man, you know, the black suit Spider-Man is completely different, and yeah. some of the characters' costumes change them as well. Okay. So I'm. I'm quite conscious of, you know, not spoil because guaranteed I would do it to somebody that's, you know, their favorite character would be Catwoman, and I would give something away, and it's like ah, so um, <laughs> best try and avoid it, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll use my uh, analogies using uh, Marvel characters and just piss off everyone completely. <laughs> uh, the what? The one thing that I wasn't too keen on, and I think if you go back and you listen to the first time that I played Injustice, and then Kieran, you and I spoke about it, was the first time that we played it, we thought it was awesome, we liked the story, and but the one thing was the moves, the move sets. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it doesn't feel like that much of a fighting game. Yeah, um, I just yeah, never it, really it, liked the way that. NetherRealms fighters fight. Like, I've never... Yeah. Like, even Mortal Kombat, which has got a bit more depth than Injustice games, like, I've just never been into their style of fighting games that much. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I I felt that as well, so... Just with the the moves in this one, I wasn't... Again, I'm not that sold. I'm playing the game more for the atmosphere that it creates, the characters that are there in the story. So that hasn't changed at all. Um, what I did find when it came to the moves and playing online was some of the characters are overpowered and grossly overpowered. We found this in the first Injustice and then you know, through loads and loads of updates they started tweaking things and changing it. Um, dead shots in this game and it is possible I the first couple of games I did online and I got some guy and I ended up playing a couple of games in them but what I would notice is he would change he knew the roster quite well so he must have been playing for a little while and he would change his character depending on who I picked Mm -hmm. because there there were certain characters he knew that he could just jump off to the side and use his ranged attacks and spam these ultra powerful ranged attacks Uh, and Deadshot was one of them and 
Yeah, it, it must be. I think we said this before. It must be quite difficult for them when you you are doing a superhero game because all the superheroes have different different powers. Batman, you know, is going to kick the shit out of you using his his arms and feet, and you know, maybe a couple of gadgets and things. Um, Deadshot again, the, you know, he's got a keen eye. That's that's his superpowers. So he is going to use uh, high powered rifles and things. But so to try and balance all the powers to make sure that each character isn't overpowered, it well we know it proves to be a hassle. So um, it's not that much of a, a big deal in the story mode and the single player modes. Um, but when you're playing with you know online or you're playing on your couch and things, it is a bit of an issue. Yeah. Um, but. It's. I, I still like the game. Uh, I think we gave it a, a decent review on the site. Uh, we gave it a good score, and I yeah, everyone else seems to be enjoying it as well. Yeah, it seems to be doing well. Yeah. Um, is there anything uh, you guys going to be picking up in soon? Do you think? Mm. It's awfully quiet at the moment, pre E three. So. Quite possibly. <laughs> This, this. I'll stick with Taken. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I. Yeah. I, I'd uh, like to pick up Taken as well. I'd like to pick out Wipeout. Well, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the best thing. Uh, you should definitely get that. Yeah. Arms is out in a couple of weeks. That's that's a fighting game of choice. Right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I did play one more video game before we move on to board games and stuff mm-hmm. um, and that was a Friday the 13th this is the uh, evolve style handful of people versus one murder yes. kind of game Ooh. yeah um, so the game originally was a kickstarter it started out as a Kickstarter. Um, Most yeah. recent games um, start that way now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, like Kieran says, it is like an Evolve style game. Uh, you play with up to one person plays as Jason, and there are six or seven, uh, actually, maybe seven or eight um, counselors, you know. Yeah. that you get to play as um, and you the game lasts uh, I think it's about 20 odd minutes um, and if you're Jason obviously you're trying to kill all the campers if you are the campers the counsellors you are trying to survive the night if you survive the whole let's say 20 minutes then that's it you get away you're fine mm-hmm. um, you can also escape by um calling in there's a character called Tommy Jarvis um, and Tommy Jarvis is a hunter and if if you call him in he can come into the game and he's quite powerful and he's he could possibly kill Jason Uh, the other way is if you all pitch in together and kill manage to kill Jason you can get away that way you can uh, escape in a car but the car needs fuel and it, there's, it needs a battery and it needs a little bit of tinkering so you need to fix it and then get out 
and there's a boat you can sail away on a boat or you can phone the police and wait for the police to arrive once police arrive at the scene they wait at the edge of the camp and if you can get to the edge of the camp where the police are you survive the night um the there's all sorts of things to help the campers in each of the maps uh you know, there's the, the batteries for the car and the fuel. Um, there's maps. They can find maps that uh, can help them find where all the objectives are that they need to get to. Um, and if they do things to help themselves survive, so if they don't make too much noise and if they go into a cabin and they, they barricade the windows and the doors, uh, that brings down their fear level. Um, Jason has a power where he can sense people's fear. Uh, and it's basically it's like a radar um, in terms of game mechanic yeah yeah. you can see by a big red blotch where they are and once you get closer you can see an outline of the character in red Um, but that's a timed power that Jason has as well so Jason Mm -hmm. has four different powers that are timed so whereas the campers and the counsellors have you know they've got a set of objectives they need to get done and there's things in the world that will help them do that. Uh, Jason has got these four supernatural powers. Uh, the first one is his ability to uh, travel to any part of the map. Okay. Um, so uh, basically you can go to the map and say, right, I want to go to the the edge of the lake. And you, you transfer there, and that's fine. Um, he also has... Um, is it called morphing so if you've ever seen the friday the 13th films you know how when somebody uh, all of a sudden jason's behind them the music builds up and they start to run and they they turn around and he's not there anymore mm. he's gone but when they turn back around he's right in front of them it's like he's morphed in front of them yeah you can do that that's one of the powers that you have so uh, the way the way it translates in the game is you push the, the button to activate the power and you go into like this first person mode um can you remember when uh what was it in halo where you did that whole you became was it the little cube thing yeah and the made you invisible yeah. Yeah. yes yeah you became invisible uh guilty spark was it no no guilty spark uh, was but- the character it was a uh- yeah yeah you became invisible and you could zip around the whole map yeah 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 basically it's like that you become uh you can just zip around and what you're looking for is uh there's little uh flashing circles um or pulsing circles and you you know get to one of them and you'll find a camper close and then once it's a timed power Again, so you can either kill it early or you can wait for the time to, and you you just instantly appear at that place. Uh, what it looks like if you're the camper is it looks like um, a lot of the presentation of the game is a like it is on VHS tape. Mm. <laughs> so it looks like the tracking of your television goes all wonky, and then all, all of a sudden Jason's just fucking there. <laughs> um, it, it, He's uh, a lot of fun. He's got uh, other powers as well. But the longer the game uh, stuck, carries on, the more powers Jason gets. Um, and at one point, once he's got his four powers unlocked, he also gets uh, what they call the rage mode. 
So Rage Mode allows uh, Jason to kick down doors and windows and things, you know, just instantly the way he would in the films when he's really pissed off. Um, The game is so thematic. They have spent so much time on this. Um, And I think one of the reasons why as well is because there's only three maps. So far, there is only three maps for you to play. Um, There are different skins for the counsellors. Each one has a different ability. Uh, You know, so you you get the jock who has uh, very, he's very strong. So he can take a little bit of punishment from Jason and he can also deal some punishment back. But he has no composure and composure is the thing that uh, basically if you keep calm and like I was saying, lock doors behind you and look for evidence and solve puzzles and things like that, that um, that makes you less detectable by Jason when he's using his sense mode. Um, but if you have a natural, you know, the, the jock, for example, has a composure of one out of ten. So <laughs> he's always constantly shitting himself. <laughs> so Jason can spot him uh, quite easy. Um, and that's it. The game has got a lot of touches, though. Uh, um, so, for example, for Jason, every time that uh, he, you know, he gets a new power, so it. I think it's after every five minutes or something like that, and he gets a new power. Um, but the way the game signals you that you have a new power when you're Jason is uh, the iconic kick, 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 So the minute you hear that, you know, all right, I've got a new power. Um, when you're the campers and you're playing the game, you know Jason's near you because the music builds up and the music gets tense. Mm-hmm. Um, I and it is it's um it's score music from i think it's a combination of the first second and third films um so you've got that music playing and sometimes it likes to fuck with you as well because it will get really really dr- dramatic you think oh shit jason's here jason's here i can't see him and you come around the corner and it gives the game gives you a jump scare because it builds up to you know that orchestral bang it's a bah and it's a dead body you know, it's one of the other counsellors that you've been playing the game with. Yeah. Jason's killed them and the body's <laughs> just lying there. Um, yeah, so the, the game gives you jump scares with things like that. It is really, really good. Um, and just uh, when you're playing the game as well, uh, you'll find uh, one of the things that it does do is you, you know, if Kieran and I are playing and we're counsellors, um, if we're in the cro- close proximity of each other, we can talk to each other, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, through our headsets. Yeah. Um, but you get too far away and you can't hear anyone. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jason, if Jason is close, Jason can hear you as well. So he can hear what you're saying. So you're, oh shit, he's behind us. Uh, you stand there, you stand there, and I'll try and get behind him and hit him with a brick. Jason can hear you. He knows what you're saying. The other flip side of that as well is that you can hear Jason. So um, uh, one of the other things that the game can do is you can have a look and you can see who is Jason. But when all this is going on, you don't have time to go to that menu. You're not really doing it. So what you yeah. find happens is one of you, one of the people that's in your group that's been playing the game is Jason and you don't know it's him. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see as, you know, you his name's coming up because you can hear him, you can see him saying something, and he's going, where are you guys? I, 
Jason was here, but I've run away from him. Meanwhile, he is Jason and he's tricking <laughs> you in. So you, you've got this little bit of subterfuge going on as well. Um, yeah, we had a hell of a lot of fun playing this. The first type game that I played was I played with uh, in the afternoon uh, when I bought it. I'd come back from holiday and bought it uh, this past Monday. And I ended up in a lobby with uh, these English kids that were teenagers. And, uh, you know, the, the, the usual, you know, teenage boy banter, they're threatening each other's, each other's mums and, you know, I'm going to do this to your mum and you, you never knew your own father and all this carry on. <laughs> I, and, but then we get into the game and I end up being Jason. And, uh, the, you know, you show up, you use your, um, you can stalk, that's one of your other powers as well. So, uh, like I said, one of the, the cues when somebody knows Jason is close to them or behind them is the musical cue and it builds up. Um, but you have a power that allows, it turns you invisible, essentially. People can see you, but it turns off the music. The So yeah. th- that musical cue isn't there. So if they're not specifically looking for you, um, then they won't know they're there. And uh, so I'd done that and I got up right behind this group of four guys and uh, they're like, no, man, we can't see him. And somebody turned around and like, oh, shit, he's there. And at that point, the music kicks in because the power ran up. They were squealing like teenage <laughs> schoolgirls. I murdered all four of them. It was fantastic. Uh, 10 out of 10 would murder again. It was <laughs> um, and fun. then one of the... Oh, it's, it is a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, I was playing it last night as well, and I met a couple of guys and started. We, you know, started to get on, and um, and two of them knew each other before. You know, I think they'd been playing the game most of the night, and then we kind of met up, and uh, they were hiding behind a rock, and uh, I showed up as jason and oh shit he's here he's found us again he's found us again um and what they didn't realize is i had the the rage so they're quick run into the house i'll bolt the door um and he bolts the door and i just kick the door in and it's oh for fuck's sake (laughs) and it's just this panic because jason is overpowered um if he gets anywhere near you he can He's got a big machete or an axe or a spear, depending on which Jason you pick. Um, and that's, you know, three hits from that and you're gone. Or if he grabs you, then he does, you know, a an iconic kill from one of the films. He can um, he can squash your head in or he can rip your jaw off or he can just be- break your back. Um, and it's all stuff that has been motion captured by um, Kane Hodder, the guy that plays Jason. So they've actually got to do motion capture of these iconic kills in the game, uh, and you get to do those. Yeah, uh, there is also there's uh, some nice touches where if you, uh, my head's not thinking of the word, but let's say you hide in a cupboard, and Jason comes near the cupboard. If he searches the cupboard, he um, puts his axe through the cupboard. You know, so mm. it's uh, it. It's a specific kill for that area. Um, if you crawl into a sleeping bag and you're hiding in a sleeping bag and he gets to the sleeping bag, he's going to pick up the sleeping bag and beat you around a pole. 
um, that it is a hell of a lot of fun. Um, but saying that the game has had a shit ton of problems, uh, server issues and things. Uh, on Monday night, I tried to play a game and I got one game and that was from three hours of trying. Ouch. Yes. So that's not good. Um, good news is that last night there was a patch came out. So that if you are listening to this, that was Tuesday, the, the 6th of June. The patch came out and that seemed to work quite well. Um, so I played, uh, I got into one room with a game and I played one game and I, I came out because um, I was talking to Anne, we were having some dinner. I went back in and I ended up, uh, the game made me the host of the room mm-hmm. and uh, we played, played for about three hours solid on that and there's people coming in and out of the room. Um, it was a lot quicker to get a game and it just worked well. Um, the game is still a little bit um, jerky. Um, it's still got a few bugs and things to work out. There's still no uh, single player in the game. Yeah. Um, but they have they have said that they are working on the single player mode, mm-hmm. and everyone will get it for free when it is released. So, mm-hmm. well, any anyone that's bought the game, I beg your pardon, will get it for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, they may have kind yeah. of rushed it out slightly to try and get it out before uh, Dead by Daylight De- as consoles. I, I I have that I have that feeling. Because um, that's very I, soon as well. It has yeah. you know a, a big kind of buzz around it because it's been out on PC for a while whereas this this kind of yeah kind of recent there as well. Um, and this is a little bit more expensive. It, it's about five pound, five pound more expensive than yeah. Dead by Daylight. But um, if you are a fan of Friday the Thirteenth, I can't recommend it highly enough. You, um, yeah, it is a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the choice uh, you got to make. You're a fan of Friday the Thirteenth, or you're a fan of Halloween. Well. <laughs> It's not really Halloween, is it? <laughs> but well, yeah. uh, well uh, Michael so, Myers is in Dead by Daylight. Is it not just a Michael Myers mask? No, it's is Michael Myers. They, this, they had a licensed DLC thing they did. Ah, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Ah. So that's your choice. <laughs> uh, well, well, I did say that I was going to pick up Dead by Daylight as well. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I just the only thing that I hope for Friday the Thirteenth is that they, you know, you get more maps, um, or they do something. Because I did notice in one of the games that I played was there was item placement. I could remember where some of the items were hidden, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know how random that is. I don't know if everything stays where it is. You know, nothing ever changes. If that's the case, that game probably could get repetitive yeah and it's not going to be that good because you're just going to get into a lobby with a whole load of people that know where everything is the minute they find out they're not jason that's it they're gone there'll be a ideal way to go through it yeah yeah so um but yeah definitely you should uh, check that one out yeah so cool um we have uh, we've all played some board games. We have lots of board games. Too many board games. Cool. 
Yes, yeah. So, uh, and I'm conscious of time and things that we've got. But uh, so I think what we should do is uh, we said Ben was our, our man on the scene. Ben actually went as a part of the press team to uh, UK Games Expo in Birmingham. I didn't. So you did, yes. Yeah. So how was it? Um, awesome. <laughs> so really? uh, UK Games Expo, just give us a, a quick rundown of what it is for anyone that's not 100% sure. So UK Games Expo was a three-day event in Birmingham in the NEC. Um it was very much an open, uh, family-orientated board gaming expo. Mm-hmm. Um, there were it was kind of set set over not just the NEC, but there's a there's a Hilton hotel kind of opposite the the expo that was used for a lot of events as well. So in the NEC in Hall One was basically a show floor, so there were developers, publishers, uh, shops, all sorts of random stalls set up uh, for you to have a wander around. They also used Hall 3A for running competitions throughout the weekend. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of the national competitions of Catan, Carcassonne, uh, Seven Wonders, uh, a few more as well. Um and then over in the Hilton, they were running uh, live events, uh, some LARPs, and some uh, open gaming uh, in the evening. In, during the day, the open gaming was over in the hall. Uh, on the Friday and the Saturday night, once the hall shut at 6 o'clock, they carted a massive board gaming library across the hotel, and people sat and played games all night. <laughs> in, cool. two, in two massive... Um, kind of event spaces in the hotel. The first night we, we were there, we were like, we found found the room for open gaming, and there was not a table to sit at. Yeah. Right. We didn't realize there was a second room that night. <laughs> I think it was probably equally as full. Right. So, I mean. I kind of went along not quite sure what to expect um, in terms of board gaming expos. It was the first one I'd been to. Obviously, you might have been to Essen a couple of times. I have, yes. Yeah. Um, The numbers for this year's UK Games Expo puts it as Europe's second biggest one after Essen. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so they had all... Was it a uh, over fifteen thousand unique visitors on Saturday alone? Yes, yeah, um, that's a lot of people. Yeah, I've I've yet to, so we've put up a couple of articles from our experience from the Friday and the Saturday. Uh, the Saturday one we split into two articles because there is just that much going on. Uh-huh. The Sunday one I have in draft format in front of me right now but it'll probably be on the site by the time that this podcast is up. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, the, the numbers I don't think have been released uh, officially. But I was speaking to right. 
the press manager on the Sunday and he was saying that they had 15,000 people through the door on Saturday alone. Um, they were reckoning that it was going to be a, about a 40% increase over last year. Yeah. I was on I was on Wikipedia earlier today uh, and they seem to have some numbers. I don't know where they've got them from. But they were suggest, suggesting 31,000 across all three days. Right. And 16,500 unique Unique yes. Yeah. 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 I'd read that somewhere as well. Yeah, they have, as of today, the day we're recording this, uh, announced the dates for next year's expo. Yeah, and they have booked halls one and two this time rather than one and three a. Yeah. So that that gives them about forty percent more floor space for next yeah. year. So the interesting thing about UK Games Expo, though, is that. That originally it started as you know just somewhere for people that were into board gaming in the UK to get together for a weekend yeah. and meet up, and uh, you would normally get a couple of people from some press, and you would get uh, mainly stall, you know, shops would set yeah. up stalls. Um, but uh, slowly but surely you've had the the distributors and everything coming and this was the first time that there was so many distributors there yeah um so have you got any details on some of the the guys that were there um so just when what you were talking about the history there i was speaking to warmaker uh who are developers and they've been going to the game expo for since it began uh-huh. that's what they were saying you know it was just it was just you know a small hall and a few people turning up and then it, then it was in the Hilton and then they've had to move it into the NEC and the Hilton it's just grown and grown and grown yeah. year on year phenomenally um, so I mean we went around and spoke to as many people as we could on the first day we spoke with uh, Games Workshop were there it was the first time that they had turned up You're right. for the expo and um, like I said, when we were we were speaking to the press guy on Sunday. Later on, he was saying, "Yeah, they kind of agreed to it at the last minute, and they wanted all this space, but they they really had all that was left uh-huh. on the floor. It was like it was probably like half the space they were looking for, but it was all they could, it was all they could get by that point." Yeah, um, I think there's a number of them that were sponsoring the show as well. Um, so it's like some. Mayfair, um, Osprey Games, yeah, uh, uh, yeah Paizo, Paizo as well. The guys that have the they, right Pathfinder and yeah, Paizo uh, do the Pathfinder. Mayfair, yeah. Mayfair own Catan. You've yeah, got yeah. Um, Osprey Games. Osprey Games do quite a lot of things as well. But you had some really big names there. AEG, I believe, were there. You yeah. had uh, Greater Than Games, that's the guys that do Salt and uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse. AEG had quite a big contingent there. They were showing a couple of things from uh, Vangelis Bagliataris, that's the guy that does uh, Dice City, and he also did, um, there's another game, uh, Oath of the Brotherhood, that EEG are going to be putting out earlier on this year. Um, uh, they had Artipia Games, They were, I think they were there with... Um, AEG, and you also had Pegasus Spieler, which is one of the the biggest German board game publishers in the what 
well, one of the biggest publishers in the world, and they had a huge contingent there as well. There was, yeah, there was um, also there was TMG, Tasty Minstrel Games. Yeah, yep, they were there. There was a uh, Devere from Spain. Yes, over, yeah. uh, no, not Spain, uh, Brazil, I think. All right, okay. Uh, they actually they started off in Brazil. I think they might now be based in Spain, but they originally started All in, right, okay. in Brazil. Uh, that was the first time they'd been there, and they're trying to really push into the, the UK now as well. Yeah. Um, so a friend of the show, Stu, was down and volunteering for them. Yeah. Um, and we had, a, we had a shot of some of their games, which and we came home with a lot of their games as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. I mean, we, we spent Friday and Saturday running around trying to talk to as many people as possible and then Sunday was a shorter day the, sh- the show kind of closed at 4 on Sunday and when myself and, and I went down with a friend Stephen uh, got there on Sunday we were like right let's get into the press room and write up what we'd, what we'd seen yesterday and I, I came out of the press room and I'm like there's only 3 hours left and I need to go and get everything that I wanted to get <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and my friend Stephen disappeared for a good while, and I think about about three o'clock, I got a message from him saying, uh, "So I've spent two hundred pounds so far." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I I had to stop him from spending another seventy odd on, um, Imperium. Oh, what's it called? Something Imperium. Twilight, Twilight Imperium. Yes. Yeah. Ah, it's Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition. I think so. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so there was... Um, I think the the fact that there were so many kind of shops there was a bit of a surprise. I didn't quite expect, you know, stores to be within within the arena itself, but... See, that, that was the... Like I was, we were talking about the history. That that was the main thing. It was always people that liked to play board games, and then those shops went. Well, you know, why don't we come along as well? And if you want, you can buy the latest, the latest games from us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so that was, you know, this year when I seen the amount of publishers that that was more the surprise for me was the amount right. of publishers that were there rather than the amount of shops because the right. amount of shops have always been there. I see, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of that, the, the publishers were doing very well at selling their own stuff. Oh, yes, yeah. Over and above what the shops were doing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the shops were slashing prices on Sunday to try and get rid of stuff. Yes, um, yeah. There was one quite interesting table that was um, a charity auction. A booth and they started on the Friday with a price above their stall I think it probably started at £40 right? and every 15 minutes they dropped the price by 50 pence oh okay so That's that by the, end, by the end of the show everything on the table that was left was going to cost 50 pence ah so basically, okay. basically everything on their table cost whatever the price was right so it was a wait, it was a waiting game yeah, so, yeah, so you were hoping <laughs> they were also they also had their own game that they were giving away. All right. Um, what people were doing was they were coming 
with a game and saying, here, have my game, and they would value it and give you X many copies of the game they had at the table. Ah, okay. So all the, all the games that were then for sale were things that people had donated. Ah, that's very clever. So throughout the weekend, that table was constantly changing what was on it. Right. Uh, which was quite interesting. I was, every time I passed it, I had a quick check to see what was there. Uh, I almost picked up a Lord of the Rings version of Stratego. Oh, okay. But uh, no, I, I I managed to avoid it, and I didn't quite get back towards the end to the end of the show. Just to see what <laughs> um, I, another kind of, I, I suppose it's not a surprise considering we've touched on it already. Is the number of things that go through Kickstarter these days, but the number of stalls there that were our games on Kickstarter now, or it's just finished on Kickstarter. <laughs> Or it's going on Kickstarter at the end of the show and stuff like that. So yeah, the, there is a lot of those that you get now, um, and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not. That's just yeah. the way Kickstarter is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you picked up uh, the other, Kickstarter game, didn't you? Yes, that's just what I was going to say. So uh, the other thing with Kickstarter is you can sometimes get the option of picking your game up at these shows, mm-hmm. which is exactly what I did with Superhot. Yeah. The card game. Um, I also added um, their Mars game to the basket when I was when I was paying for Super Hot, so I picked that up as well. Oh yes, yeah. I can't remember exactly the full name of. Yeah, that I can't one. remember either. Even though they sent tons of emails going, yes. hey, you bought Super Hot, you should probably also get this. And it's like, ah, no, I'm good. it's it's something Mars. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's a little card game as well, yes. isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, so the difference is with that one is that it is a two-player game by default. Mm. But when you when you pick when I picked it up, you also get a wee leaflet of this is how you play it solo. That's cool. Um, but that leaflet says play it with two to three people first several times before you play it solo. <laughs> so right. I, I haven't looked at it yet. Uh, Super Hot, on the other hand, is a solo game with yeah. the option of playing with other people. Yes, but, but tells you to play it many times solo and make sure everybody has played it many times solo before you play it together. <laughs> um, so the the kind of the multiplayer modes of it can be uh, competitive one v one, or you can have it. You can have a person play as essentially the bad guys against, right. against other players as well so you can have a kind of 2v1 game as well that's cool but the solo game works quite well uh, it's essentially it's essentially the video game I mean the, the tagline from the video game is time only moves when you move which is an obvious concept when you're playing a card game yeah because nothing happens unless you play cards Um. But what I have, what the the game works as there are six cards laid out in the timeline, and that is what you have to deal with currently. And then you play cards from your hand to either knock these knock these obstacles out or to destroy them. And if you destroy them, they come into your hand at the end of the turn. Uh, and if you knock them out, they go straight into the discard. Okay. Right. 
depending on how many cards you play, that number of cards also comes out of the timeline and goes into your discard and will eventually cycle back into your playable deck. So you don't want to destroy stuff that's at the front of the timeline because it's going gonna, it's gonna to cycle into your hand eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. So you've got to plan out, right, okay, there's six guys here. I'm going to take out guys number five and five and six, and they're going to come into my hand straight away. But one and two are then going to go into my discard pile and will end up in my hand as well further down the line. Um, alongside all of this, there are mission cards. And you turn over a mission card and it tells you what you need to do to complete the scenario. So the first one I played was you had to knock out six objects. The problem about knocking out an object is that it doesn't come out the timeline until it's cycled out because you've played cards and it was in one of the early slots. And when it's when it's knocked out, it just goes to the discard pile. You don't get to use it. So what I should probably also say is that the player, the starting player deck is only eight cards. Okay. And so you if you run those new ones, yeah, to... if you run out of player cards, you lose. Uh... Um, so you kind of want to destroy things early on so that you kind of build up the size of your player deck. Right. So this is a deck builder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Makes so. <laughs> I I backed this one on Kickstarter. Yeah, because I thought it sounded like enough, a nice enough kind of uh, twist on deck building that I'd at least try it. And I like Super Hot as a theme, so. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I saw Super Hot and I backed it. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even read what you did. That's fair. What the rules were or anything like it, but um, yeah. So the the first time I played it, the the game kind of beat me, and it took me a while to get my head around how exactly you played it because there's it's basically seven phases to each turn okay so it's quite a lot to kind of look at a uh, i've got yeah. the cards in front of me, but it's once once i kind of I, I went through that first playthrough and i was like right okay that kind of it beat me and that's fair enough i'll try a different objective now the the, the thing the thing about the game is it's got a massive pile of mission cards uh, I'm not quite sure if it tells me on the back of the box exactly how many but there are there, there's a huge huge pile of mission cards if you beat a mission you then go up to level 2 where you then got to take on 2 missions at once and then you go up to level 3 which is 3, three missions at once mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different ways you're going to play this game if 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 you play it play it many many times, uh, the, and the second time round I did manage to manage to beat the beat the first first objective, but I didn't I didn't continue to play beyond that. Uh, but like I said, the concept the concept really works. It, the the art style looks beautiful. It's just complete completely taken from super hot video game. Um, I also was talking to the guys at Board and Dice who, who made Super Hot mm-hmm. uh, and they have another game which they're launching which is Beer Empire oh okay which uh, 
Hello, cat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that is uh, one of my cats just interrupting just to let us know that we're um, we're recording on his um, his carol time. Yes, and the Beer Empire game. The guys showed it to me at the time, and it was there was a lot going on. It was it was very busy. Um, the guy, the the guy I was speaking to, I don't think really explained it all that well. Right. But I managed to, towards the end of the show, snag us a review copy. So my oh, okay. And I will need to sit down and play this. Um, right. I think I think there's just too much to it. There's too many things to think about. You you basically yeah. create uh, recipes for beers. You brew them. You su- you submit them to a market. The market's looking for different qualities in your beer. So, for example, you could be bottling your beers, or you could be putting them in cans. Um, you could be using open top or closed top fermenting. Okay. And the mar- market's looking for all these different things, and you you basically put shares into the market as well. So if a beer comes through and it's got these qualities, you get points. Of course, right? Okay. Um, you can also end up flooding the market, and basically, if uh, if any one of these, the, the, there were six markets, gets over invested in, it gets wiped out, wiped away off the board, and a new one right. comes into play. Right. Okay. So uh, how? How do you do these things? Are you playing cards? Are you placing things on a board? Or what's the main yeah, mechanic? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of token movement. Right. Okay. So, so it's it sounds a bit like worker placement. It's a wee bit. Yeah. There, there's there's some worker placement involved in uh, how you want to focus your factory. So you you got worker placement that sets. Okay, I can take six different ingredients into my brewery or if you change where the worker placement is it's only four or it's only two uh, you've got a worker placement saying um, how many of these extra tokens can I add to my recipe and those things can give you extra prestige or extra money for for your, your completed beer and then on top of all of that there's also a competition and there's an adjudicator who looks for a certain taste and you Every second round, you can submit your beer for the competition, and you gain oh, it right. for that as well. So this is what I mean. It's just there's loads of things going on, and you're moving. When, uh, once you've that, made a beer, it's it's basically a stack of about eight different sized tokens that you've then got to move about onto a board or into all the, right. or the or the competition as well. No, that that sounds that sounds very interesting. I'd um... It is. It, it, it looks quite good, and it, it's an interesting concept. And I think they get the the guy was having a little bit problem explaining it at the show. Right. So that's why I'm quite keen that we actually get us sit down and play it and see what we think of it ourselves. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um. They were they were really cool guys as well. They had that was the second time they'd been to the show. Right. They, they put up uh, a video before the show that is is worth a watch even now uh, just it's basically their their adventure towards the UK Games Expo right um, and 
in the open gaming during the evening, I saw a lot of games being played. Uh, I had a shot of a few of them myself. One of the, one of the games that I was trying to explain to my friend Stephen uh, is a game that you and I played, Mike, the last time you were over, and I think Kieran has been playing it this week, which is Inish. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I enjoyed that game thoroughly when we played it, so... Is, is this you? You've bought a copy yourself now? I, yeah, I bought a copy. I, I wanted to buy a copy before Mike did. <laughs> I, I had it pre-ordered when Mike went to Essen and bought his, and then yeah. they had issues uh, with the number of copies they shipped to the UK, so my pre-order got cancelled and refunded, which was a bummer. Uh-huh. But then when they did their second wave of stuff, the the shop that I had pre-ordered with sent me a message saying hey we're sorry we had to cancel your pre-order from before but we're actually getting them this time so if you go to this link here to the website that no one else can see that it has this game that's just called Game Y and the description just says you know what this is then you can buy it (laughs) so I did eventually get a copy of Inish Um, and I was playing it uh, so I had a board game day a couple of weeks ago and Inish was one of the things that we ended up playing and my girlfriend destroyed all of us again which was how our game kind of went last time as well Mike yes yeah I'm pretty it sure was, yeah. it was a bit closer between you and my girlfriend than it was in this game where she just ran circles around all of us she had like all th- she basically had herself a couple of turns away from all three of the, the win conditions so that when there, oh, was right, a okay. draw, when there was a draw, there was nothing we could do. Like she, we could stop her getting one of them, maybe, but she could get to either of the other ones as easily as she wanted. So, yeah, she kind of just got into a position where we couldn't physically win, and then was like, "We'll do what you want. I don't care." <laughs> um, but that was a is a really good game. I I really love Inish. I'm glad think, that my copy finally got used. I think when when we played it, Mike. Uh, we played it with my brother. Yes. And I was just watching you the whole time. Just yep. trying to see what it was you were going to do to kind of sneak away with the lead. And what you didn't realise was, was that, that I, your brother... I basically gifted the win to my brother instead. <laughs> yes, yeah. But, um, yeah, because you were that preoccupied in stopping what I was doing yeah. that you stopped me and... So the... The trick of the game is to try and stop somebody uh, in a certain way that it's just, you know, you stop them and no more, but you stop them enough. But yeah. you went out your way to stop me completely. Yeah. And so much so that there was nothing we could do <laughs> to stop your brother and he just waltzed in. Yeah. <laughs> but it is one of those games where that is a, a, that's a strategy as well. Keep your mouth shut and nobody will notice what you're doing. Yeah, um, exactly. And it is one of the, the reasons that I love that game as well it's awesome to be fair I don't think my brother realised what he was doing either because <laughs> um, I, I think we just he, he pulled the kind of the tile out he did the explore tile and it came out with the the sanctuary on it and yes. I was just like oh I now have enough sanctuaries <laughs> Yeah, 
but uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's a fantastic game, and the more you play it, it's a bit like chess. You know, um, the games can get more and more involved, and the yeah. strategies just get more and more intricate as well. And those map tiles are fabulous. Oh yeah, the t- the tiles were nice. Cool. Uh, I played some, uh, well, a digital version of a game that we've spoken about quite a bit, um, which is uh, Oniram. Yes. Yeah. Oniram's still awesome. So, yeah, it is. Um, And I wanted to mention it because one of the things they've done is that uh, Days of Wonder and Asmodee have... um, you know they they've absorbed all the the digital content under Asmodee now, okay. and if you uh, merged your account, so I had a Days of Wonder account, and you merge your <coughs> excuse me, merge it into the Asmodee account, and you know consolidate everything. As a thank you, you were getting a a free expansion to an iron. Oh really? To the digi- yeah. Cool. So if you say uh, even if you do it right now, um, you should get the the expansion and it's called the um i had it and i've forgotten it <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna have to bear with me uh i think it's called is it the glyphs kieran you might know better than me uh, i don't know there's like eight expansions for that game <laughs> <laughs> it could be anything uh, well, i do happen to have is, my box right here it's the glyphs i've just checked um so uh, what the glyphs do is it adds in an extra set of card of door cards. Um, so in the original game, you need to close um, two doors of every color. Yeah, is that yeah, yeah. Um, in the glyphs, you now have to close three doors of every color, um, but you get a couple of quite a few extra cards to make it possible for you to do that but there's also a card that has a new symbol um and i forget the name of the symbol um but it's like little swirly cards and uh what these cards do is they can be played in the same way as any other cards but if you they're called yes they're called glyph cards oh glyph cards (laughs) thanks for that so (laughs) Of course, the Glyphs expansion, yes. Uh, Yes, so the Glyph cards, (laughs) the Swirly Glyphs, um, if you uh, discard them the same way that you would discard a key card, what they do is that you reveal uh, five cards from the top of the deck. And if there's a door card, uh, that door card becomes unlocked and the rest of the cards get put to the bottom of the deck in any order that you choose. Um, if you turn over the five cards and there isn't a door card, uh, then the cards just get put in any order that you wish at the bottom of the deck anyway. Um, uh, this includes the um, the little uh, baddies, little beasties. Mm-hmm. If uh, you reveal any of those, they go to the bottom of the deck as well. Uh, and that's it. Uh, it's meant to make the game more difficult. I prefer the game this way. It adds that little bit more of a challenge. Yeah. Uh, so my my win ratio is now down to forty seven percent. So it's dropped two percent. It was around about the forty nine percent mark, um, and it's dropped to forty seven percent. And I think I've played something. It's uh, 
I like that they're um, games. I think I like that they're starting to put out these expansions for it because, like I said, the physical copy of Onirim, the only one you can kind of get at the moment, although even that is out of print from the looks of it, um, uh-huh. comes with eight expansions, and that's one of the simpler ones that's in there. Yeah. So there's a few that add things like there's one that adds a spell card that has three different spells that you can do every turn. Um, uh-huh. There's one called uh, the Door to the Oniverse, which has sixteen denizens of the Oniverse. Which I don't know what that does, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> one that's called the Hammerbird. Right. There's Crossroads and Dead Ends, which are pretty self-explanatory. Wow. So yeah, there's there's quite a bit going yeah. on. So it's it's cool that they are. It seems like they're. Go and start adding those. I, I'll be interested to see how they handle some of the more complicated ones, right? Because some of them, yeah, you know, would require more gameplay changes than that one does. Yeah, it, it's definitely interesting to see if they they are going to bring it out. Mm-hmm. I imagine they yeah. will. I imagine this is their partially. It's their oh, thanks for signing up for an account, but it's also probably partly their hey, your first taste is free, but you know. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. pay for the yeah. rest of these. Yeah, definitely. So, um, well, I'm glad you've. That's uh, past two times I've been in the podcast that you have shown me on your own goodness. <laughs> uh-huh. so, I, I I happened to sign up for an Asmodi account the other day to get into the Carcassonne beta on nice. on Steam. Right. I've just signed in with my uh, account. Cool. There is also... (laughs) uh, Incidentally as well, uh, they're they're also offering um, a migration package for if anyone has the Ticket to Ride games. I think Uh I do, but I don't know if I ever claim them, so I don't think I'll qualify for... Yeah. Um, So I I need to try and sort out that as well. Yeah, I owned um, multiple copies of the digital versions of those through Humble Bundles and then never played any of them. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but, cool. So, I... Ben, you have... Uh, you played... Uh, you mentioned uh, Devia Games. You played yeah. their new Sherlock Holmes game. Is it Holmes and Mycroft? Yes. I'm not, oh, I can't quite remember exactly the name. I think it was just called Holmes. But you play a two-player game. One of you is Holmes, and the other one is Mycroft. I th- um, think it might be Holmes and Mycroft. It might well be. Uh, so this was it was sitting in the Open Games Library on the Saturday night. Oh, in, right. And I was just looking for a two-player game, and I was like, and the the volunteer that was in the library was just like, "You're looking for a two-player game? I highly recommend this." And they gave it to me. We walked out and sat down and. It was it was really quite interesting. So you are playing as Holmes, Sherlock, and Mycroft, um, and someone has been charged with murder, and it is your job to prove him either innocent or guilty as Sherlock or Mycroft. Uh, and you've got to go through seven days of investigation through London, and you start off with. Uh, three characters already available for you to talk to um, 
and then each day you reveal an extra character in London. And you have three meeples each and to signify you've gone to investigate one of them, you move your meeple to them and put it down at the side. And each one of those characters will let you either accumulate clue markers, which are just wee magnifying glasses, or it will be a case of you're, you're spending those to pull clues out from the middle, of which there are always four available. Right. Um, the idea at the end of the game is to have more of these clue cards than your opponent. Each one, each one of these different types of clues it has a numerical value to it. So I think they were run from three to nine. That's how much they're worth. But to get the nine points, you need to have more of those cards than your opponent. But if he has two of them, then you're still going to lose two points of those nine. So there's mm-hmm. there's also some of the characters that let you swap cards with with the other person as well. So the idea is you're trying to complete a set and have your opponent have as few of those cards as possible. Hmm. Um, and you go through you go through the full week, and you you basically you take your three turns each day. Uh, alternatively, if if both of you put a meeple down on the same person on any day, that person is exhausted. If essentially they've they've gone into hiding or, or they've fled London. So they're not available to talk to the next day. Then you, and you do that by by flipping their card over, and then you obviously have to go and speak to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You also can't just leave your meeple on the same person. Yeah, you you, have you to must you you have to move it. But if you've got someone you do want to speak to again, then you can move that meeple off and then move one of your other ones onto them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> some of the some of the people. That you can invite, uh, that you can speak to, did seem to be slightly overpowered, so you would want to speak to them as much as possible. But then, obviously, if you both do it, then they're exhausted. So that that did balance that out. So I think, like by um, my mind's totally gone blank. Who is the <laughs> landlady? Uh now that you're asking, mine's also a bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's one of the characters that's one of the first three, and they never exhaust, um, which is which is the other side of it. But if you go and speak to her, then you, Mrs. You're, Hudson. You're, you're, Mrs. Hudson, you go you go speak to Mrs. Hudson. She gives you a cup of tea. You have a rest. You gain three investigation tokens to spend on cards, and and that's just. The probably the least amount you can get at any time, but it's 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 a it's useful part. But there's another card, another character that comes out. Then if you go speak to them, they'll give you five. And there's another one that when you speak to them, I think it's you get however many on what day of the week they they come out at. So if they come out at day six, you get six of them. So there are more powerful cards than Mrs. Hudson, but Mrs. Hudson's always going to be available yeah. if you need her. Right. Um, 
Well, yeah, we had a we had a game of that, and it's it was quite late on. We did enjoy it. Uh, there's there's some there's a lot of tactic involved in which cards you're pulling out of the the clue line to try and to try and get your score up. So there's not an awful lot of point in having a lot more cards than your opponent of a certain type. There's just you don't want them to have very many at all. Right. So if I if I've got three of say number nine and you've got two, then I'm gonna get seven points. But if I had five and you had two, then I'm still only gonna get seven points. Uh-huh. Um there there are there's also a, a wild card uh, map bits of a map fragment in amongst the clues. And if you find one, it actually loses you points. But then once you find more bits of the map, it gets you quite a bit, quite a substantial more points. And then the, the final bit of scoring is if you have a set of number, say it's number five, and your opponent doesn't have any, then you get a bonus for having the outstanding control of that piece of evidence. Definitely, definitely worked worked quite well. Yeah, so it's like an interesting sure. game. I like uh, most of the Holmes games I've played. Yeah, so it was a good theme if you can get it right. Yeah, and it's quite it's quite a quick game as well. I mean, it's 15, 20 minutes really at the most. Yeah, it, um, we saw that game in Germany uh, when we were there at Essen, yeah. and it was one of those I. I think we bought like four homes games when we were over there. Uh, and yeah, it was just, uh, that was one of the ones that was, we, we sacrificed it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Um, cause we'd played quite a Sherlock Holmes was quite popular last year in, in board games. Um, yeah. and yeah, we, it was, it's a good game, but it was, it was the one we were, we thought, well, you know, see if we don't bring that one home, we're not too phased. Uh, uh. Um, I sure. think in terms of the Devere games, it was certainly one of the more kind of serious subject matters. Yeah, from, it's... from what they had on offer. We played another couple of their games briefly. Uh, one of them where you're trying to provide fast food to monsters. Uh, another one which is a bit more detective-y and it... Uh, in a certain way, it's a bit like Guess Who, where you're laying out cards. You've 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 got a description of your suspect, and you're putting cards down in the table that match those descriptions. But like one one thing matches those descriptions, and you've got to guess the full description by what cards you can see on the table. All uh, right, okay. But the suspects are cats, and the investigators are dogs. <laughs> that sounds all right. Yeah. Um, like kind of game. <laughs> yeah. Does it have cat yeah. meeples? No, I don't think so. Um, uh, I know that Stu came home with that with that game, so uh, you'll need to make sure he brings it to our next board game meetup. Excellent. Good. Good. Um, so, talking of investigations and criminals. Kieran, you've played a game called Fugitive. Yes, so um, Fugitive is a game that I've had 
sitting here for quite a long time now. Um, got a Kickstarter made by uh, Tim Fowers, the guy who made Paperback. Which yes. We're all a big fan of on this podcast. Um, and this is a very simple uh, two-player uh, card game where one player is fugitive and one person is uh, an investigator or uh, a marshal trying to stop them from escaping and basically the way this is there's a set of cards uh, deck cards that uh, are numbered between 0 and 42 and 0 starts on the board to start with and then the fugitive starts with the cards 1, 2 and 3 and 42 and then every turn uh, the fugitive can draw I think it's two cards from uh, a deck, or there's three decks that are kind of, the decks are split up of numbers between 4 and 14, five, uh, 15, 20, 29 and 41, and each shuffled individually, and the Fugitive can take cards from any of them. And basically every turn, the Fugitive has to place a card face down that is between 1 and 3 higher than the card before it so it starts at zero and you start with numbers one two and three so you can move to one two or three so that first card you put down is always going to be one of those and then next turn you'll draw cards and then you can place anything that is between you know one two or three more than that so you can move from two to three four or five yeah. But then another thing you can do is uh, every card also has a little footprint on the top right hand corner of it. It'll have either one or two of those. And you can put that face down as well as the card you're moving to. And that will symbolize that you're saying, I'm burning this other card to be able to move one or two extra spaces on top of what I could usually do. So instead of three, I can move four spaces. Right. And your goal is basically to get to 42. Marshall's job is to try and guess what your last card was. They're trying, they can try and guess every card up to that if they want to, and it's useful because it narrows down where they are, but they're trying to guess where you are. And they do this by every turn the Marshall also draws cards from the three decks. They also get to choose which one they want to do. And this lets them narrow down where you're not, which is kind of similar. It's like a similar mechanic to um, in Star Wars, uh, a Star Wars Rebellion, oh, when you right. take yep. the probe cards to narrow down where the Rebellion base isn't. Right. Same kind of idea. So, like, if the if the Marshal draws, you know, card four, then they know that you're definitely not moving to four in your next turn. Yeah. So when you put down your first one, you either put down something low so you can get to, or you either put down something that could get you to five, or you put down something even slightly higher so you get to six. So they can guess roughly your first one is probably not going to be number one because you definitely didn't have, you know, that. Um, and basically the marshal the whole time is basically just doing this maths in their head and calculating like, okay, I know they don't have any of these cards. I know that this first one can be one, two, or three. That's a good starting point. 
and then they kind of narrow down from there where the player is and it's surprisingly great like it's just a really simple little thing but uh, my girlfriend and I played it a couple of times we both switched roles uh, a couple of times as well so we both got a chance to play in both of them I originally thought it would be near impossible for the marshal because it seems like it's just a lot of maths to do in your head but all the numbers are so like there's not that many 42 seems like a lot of numbers to start with but then once you actually start playing and because it's split into three separate decks you're like okay it's actually not 42 possible locations there to start with yeah. it's between 4 and 14 right and at a certain point after they've moved a couple of spaces you're going to see oh well he started taking cards out the second deck so he's probably at least close to being there if he's not actually there so it could be a bit higher than this but you know I can still narrow it down from this and uh, the Marshall won almost every game maybe every game that we played like right. it, was, it was definitely close though it's one of those games that came down to the wire every time uh, which is always kind of a good sign of a game like this I think um, so yeah, I highly recommend it. I think Tim Furs is definitely on a bit of a roll when it comes to designing games. Yeah. So how uh, how does the marshal call? Does he just call out? Oh, I yeah. reckon you've just played that card. Every turn, uh, the marshal gets to guess a number, basically, and they don't have to guess which one of the cards they think that number is. They just have to guess the number. So if they guess, uh, you know, seven. They don't have to say specifically, I think your your third card is number seven. So if your fourth card is seven, you still have to flip it over and reveal it. But they, they're they narrowing down which number it is, not specifically when you got to it. Although, realistically, they probably will be in their mind because that's the easiest way to try and figure that stuff out. Yeah. So even if you're stuck as the marshal, you can kind of just guess numbers sometimes. Whereas yeah. if you... What kind of holds the fugitive back is that they have to have a card in their hand that they can reach to be able to actually yeah. go somewhere. So if you started taking cards out of the middle deck and you were on you know, space 12 before and you keep drawing stuff in the low 20s, you're just not going to be able to move. Right. And you can use as many cards as you want to... Uh, you can burn as many cards as you want to move extra spaces, but... If you've not been able to move for like a turn or two and then you burn four cards and suddenly can play a card, you know, the marshal's going to guess, okay, they jumped a big space. Yeah. Uh, and when they, when they, <clears throat> when you burn those cards, they stay with the card that you moved to. So when that one gets guessed, all those cards get flipped over as well. All right. So it helps them narrow down even further. Um, and a good kind of little bluffing thing you can do is if you play cards, uh, if you burn cards to move further, you don't actually have to use them. So you could put down two cards to make it look like you're moving really far and then just move one space in the next turn. Ah, right, yeah. To try and kind of play with the mm -hmm. marshal's mind a bit. Which I tried to do, but then my girlfriend was like, well, I know you're on 23. I was like, how did you know that? <laughs> That's not possible. Um, yeah, I, I really, really like it. Um, I definitely recommend it. It's pretty. It was pretty cheap when I got it on Kickstarter as well. I imagine, like most Tim Fur stuff, I imagine it will need to be 
pre-ordered if people want to get it. But yeah, yeah, I think he has got copies available right now. Should you want to buy it good. through, yeah, that's good. Yeah, because he his games sell out pretty quickly, and uh, he does kind of limited, not on purpose, but somewhat limited runs because that's what he can afford. Yeah, but all his games, I've not played. Uh, oh, what was the the burglar one? Oh, the um, oh. Bugle Bros, yeah. 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 Um, that one's supposed to be really good. I've not played that one, though. But I really love Paperback, and Hardback looks like it's going to be great. And Fugitive yeah. is a lot of fun. So, yeah. Excellent. He's awesome, sir. Um, Mike, you played uh, B Star Sieged. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, B Star Sieged, or uh, B Sieged. Yeah, strange way to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so. Besieged was, uh, funny enough, it was a Kickstarter game as well. It was uh, made by uh, uh, Second Gate Games and published by uh, Simon Kominianop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a tower defense game. Okay. So the the idea is that it's up to four players. and uh, I think it's four players. Four or five. Or Six. Six. Already anyway, confused. already confused. Yeah, a uh, the number amount, of players. Yes, <laughs> a, a certain number of players. And the idea on the game is that you are uh, you're trapped in this the city and it's surrounded on four sides by um, the path to the abyss. The, the creatures of the abyss are coming out. There's all sorts of beasties, um, yeah. and they're attacking your castle. And what you're doing is you're holding out. You're holding out for a number of years. I think it's four years. Um, and you're you're trying to get a messenger, and he's trying to leave the city, get out, and then come back with the response. And if you can survive that amount of time, you win the game. Um, and so you get wave of waves of enemies that come towards you. And you can deal with them. Um, so the, the you've got various characters and you can attack. Um, each of them will have a different speciality. The archer can obviously they're better off at long range. Your uh, magician, you know, obviously he can do a little uh, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, medium to long range is probably his forty. You've got the uh, I think it's a barbarian, and of course he'll like the the closer combat. Um, basically, it it feels a little bit like um, Castle Panic. Does everyone play Castle Panic, the board game? I've not, but I've seen it being no. played. Right. Okay. So it it's like Castle Panic with these really nice miniatures. Um, the other thing that differentiates it as well is that inside your building, you have got. Uh, resources available to you you can pop in to go and see that armorer and the armorer has um there's a limited amount for of um a stock available so if you're playing a five play game there'll be five pieces of armor available um and you know anyone can pick up all those pieces of armor uh if you have the 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 turn um the actions available to do so on your turn um and one of the actions you can do is you could go to the shop pick up a piece of armor decide whether to keep it for yourself or not uh 
or and uh, you can give it to somebody else as well. So uh, what you could do is you could position, you know, certain players on the walls taking care of the 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 enemies as they come up towards you, and somebody could be running around the shop buying things <laughs> and giving them to people so they can arm themselves. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's a really fun game. Um, the miniatures are absolutely stunning. It, it's a cool mini or not game. Um, yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This game could have been played with counters, you know, just counters and tokens, and the game would still be good. Um, the game did receive a little bit of negative press. Uh, one of the things is that uh, when you decide to attack, um, there are, are three regions on the board that you can attack. You can, like I said, short range, long range, and medium range. Um, and what you have to do is you roll a die. And the die, if you are attacking on the the long range, you uh, a hit of five and above is it you know that's a hit um you've successfully attacked for a medium range four and above and a i think three and above for short range i could be wrong on those because it's a little bit while since i played it but you get the idea that you know there's minimum values that you need to roll um so you you're rolling dice when you attack to see whether you hit or not um there is also there's a a big catapult a big uh, trebuchet in the middle of your castle and what you can do is you can turn it to any way you want then you can um you can fire it and those take two separate actions um when you turn the you know so it's a, this big catapult and imagine in real life you know you're turning it around what you do is roll a die um six-sided die it's got one value on it that you don't want to get if you get this value the the catapult gets stuck and it doesn't turn where you want it to and you've essentially wasted a turn um when you decide you're going to attack you you roll um you're going to fire the catapult you roll a die and i think it does damage no there's yes on five of the sides it does uh, damage and it will tell you how many enemies you hit mm-hmm. um, but again there's one value if you get that one value it misses completely um, the um, the when you decide what enemies are coming up I said to you that there was three different enemies that can come up from the from the abyss and sneak up on you um, uh, at the beginning of every turn you roll dice to see uh which of your enemies are going to, you know, appear out of the forest and come at you? Yeah. Um, if you roll three of the same value in a row, now uh, what you're doing is um, on each side of the board you have a choice of three different enemies. So you're rolling a dice to see which one of those three enemies show up, um, which means you need to roll the dice at least four times. If you hit the same value. Um, three times then it triggers one of the big bosses in the game he shows up um and so the biggest criticism of this game was the amount of dice rolling and the fact that it felt like you could no matter what you planned you could you'd get hammered Mm -hmm. you know um i didn't i didn't find this i thought the (laughs) dice roll i thought the dice rolling was okay i liked 
I liked the dice rolling in it. Um, and Kieran, you you're pretty much like you you're not a big fan of dice rolling in I'm games. Not, I'm not a dice rolling guy. Um, I I felt this was okay because um, there are also these tokens that you can have. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can buy these tokens and what they do is they allow you to if you spend them they change the value of the die that you rolled and they're quite easy to to keep a stock of as well so although i may have been getting one or two bum rolls i was able to do something about it yeah you know so that's the thing about dice games i think if it has good dice management like you're not if it's not just hey, here's a random thing that chooses how whether you win or lose this game, then yes, yeah. Right. So, um, yeah the the game did have some balancing issues where it was, you know, the the, the one where you if you roll the three the same value three times in a row, one of the end bosses comes out. That <laughs> seems a little bit unfair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but. What they did uh, was, you know, the, the game came out and people were saying, hang on a sec, that's a little bit unfair. The guys went back to their credit and they did a a second version of the rule book. And one of the things that they did is they said, right, we've now introduced difficulty levels. You know, so if you play on, you know, um, normal difficulty level, when you roll those three dice, the bad guy doesn't come out. The bad guy will now come out at a predetermined time rather than, you know, he could come out on your first roll. Yeah. Um, and they've, they've changed things in certain ways. Um, but even after they did that, the damage was kind of already done. Uh, there was some language issues in the book. Yeah. It wasn't translated that well. Um, so there was a couple of things that, that went against it. Um, and the biggest thing was... a. Dice Tower reviewed it and they were the ones that slated it. They were the first, I think they were the first guys to review it. They were also the first ones to have a go at it. And that was it. Unfortunately, the game didn't do that well. Or fortunately for me, because I was able to pick it up for like £25. <laughs> so, um, and it's, it is a lot. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to bringing it out um, and playing it at the next board game meetup. Um, it is. Again, it looks absolutely gorgeous, and it is one of those games when you set it up, people look at it and go, bloody hell, there's a lot here, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. And it's quite easy to explain as well. So looking forward to getting a couple of games of that. Yeah, Do you know roughly how long it takes to play? Uh, 45 minutes to an hour. That's cool. We should yeah. maybe try to play it next time. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, cool. Um. Excellent. Uh, Kieran, you played some Mythe. I did. Mythe is another game that I've had for a while from a Kickstarter that I hadn't played before. Um, you didn't get this one, did you, Mike? I, no, I didn't. I got... Um, so this the these are games from Luda Creations that they were offering when they did the Kickstarter for Steal This Game. Yes. Which I have realised recently that I cannot find my postcard of steal this game. <laughs> I don't know where it is. It's somewhere in this room. Um, but yeah, so Ludic Creations did the Kickstarter for steal this game, and they sold a bunch of their other board games 
with it, basically. It was kind of really the draw of the Kickstarter more than the, the game itself. Um, yeah. They were selling it at their Essen prices and in bundles. So yes. I got a bundle that included Mythe, which has been sitting on my shelf for one hand played. But Mythe is a really, really simple game where uh, you have this cool little board that is a kind of pop-up book board. So you fold it open and it has a bunch of little folded cardboard and inside the automatic kind of pops up and you place a dragon on the last square of the board and then a metal it's weird there's like a little wooden meeple for the dragon and a little wooden meeple for each of the players mice and then there's a metal little block of cheese that is the the final goal so you put that on a little special space behind the dragon and everyone starts at space one, and it's just a kind of, um, just a little square-based board that has a little path that goes up to the end, and your goal is just to get from the start to the end and defeat the dragon and get the cheese. Right. And, Sounds simple enough. Yeah. And the way you do this is all of the squares have either one dot or two dot on them, and you basically need a point per space you want to move. So you can move as many spaces as you have points, basically. So you can move one space if you have one. If you want to move to the next space that has two dots on it, you need three overall to move, and so on and so forth. And the only catch is to move from the last space onto the dragon space and defeat him and take the cheese, you have to also have a card that is for a weapon. So it's either a shield, a sword, or I think it's like a magic wand or something as well. And right. the way you get these are... You have a hand of cards, and every turn you take a card from someone else's hand of cards blindly, and you play that. Right. Okay. And so it is a very quick, very simple, very luck-based game, and it has got this kind of push your luck element of I'm going to take this card. Okay, that's one point. I can move one space now, but I'd rather move to the next one. So I need to try to get some of the two points. So I'm going to risk it and take another card. And then your turn ends either when you choose to move, so you stop taking cards and go, I've got these points, I move. Or when you take a card that has a skull on it. And that means, oh, you've you've basically busted. You've, you know, you pushed your luck too much and you failed. So you don't move this turn. Um, and then it's got some nice little kind of... Uh, kind of catch-up mechanics um, one that you'll recognize from uh, Deep Sea Adventures where you jump over people that are in front of you All right. so okay. their, their places don't count so if this, you're on the space before two other people then you only care about the number of points on the space after the front person and that lets you jump forward a couple alright okay um, and that's like basically it it's just this super simple little thing um, but it has this nice little addition of each of the cards has like they're big kind of tarot sized cards and they have uh, like a big kind of bright bit of artwork on them and then they have like a line of text at the bottom of them and so you're building up a, just a tiny little story about your journey that turn basically as you take them so the cards will just say something like uh, you jumped over a pit you climbed a ravine 
uh, despite all your troubles, you manage to escape a beast, and then you pull one that's got a skull, and it just says, but then you fell to your death. And you're like, oh, well, <laughs> that was my journey, I guess. Um, but it's just a nice little touch that adds some character to it that I, I really like. Uh, but yeah, it's super simple. It takes like literally five, ten minutes to play. Um, and it's just very light, push your luck, kind of warm up kind of game. Um, I can't imagine it having a lot of lasting appeal because it is p- pretty much purely random. But. And then you, there's also like, you know, more interesting takes on that kind of, you know, random push your luck mechanic. Like something like Celestia and stuff like that probably do it a bit better. Uh-huh. But it's, it's still a. Or even Deep Sea Adventures, actually. Or, um, but yeah, it, it's still a fun little game. I quite like it. Um, I'm going to definitely bring that over next time we play games. Excellent. Uh, Sounds yeah. good. It's a cool wee thing. Uh, ben, you've been playing more games at the UK Games Expo that you have not mentioned yet. Well, we'll be here all night if I keep going through all well, of Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, let's see. One more? Two more? Yeah, we'll go for two more. Um, two more. So... I think, Mike, you were talking about language issues, like translation issues. Yes. Um, So we played a game, um, open gaming time. Uh, Stephen kind of disappeared and left me without a player two. So I had a wonder about and bumped into some nice lads from Newcastle who said, come play a game with us. And we sat down. They, they They were having a challenge amongst themselves at the UK Game Expo of see who could get the best game for under £5. Oh, okay. Uh, they'd, they'd found some interesting interesting things for sure. Uh, but the one we played, I don't think it fell into the category, otherwise they said it would have been the clear winner because it was, I think, one of them had picked up for £15. And it, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but it was called Sanzen Sekai. Um, a game from Japan that had been translated loosely into English mm-hmm. in both the rules and on the, the cards themselves that you played. So the, the concept of the game, and this is where the translation issue came in, was that you were uh, visiting uh, a geisha house. Right. And you had to um, stay there as long as possible before the crows started crying. Okay, so you had to spend night there before daybreak then? Yes, <laughs> that, that's what the, the actual uh, translation should have said, but it was... <laughs> the, the, I think the title... Uh, or the subtitle of the game translated as I will kill all the crows so that I can spend a night with you <laughs> and it's just like why is, why is this guy killing crows and why are the crows crying and That's pretty good. Why, is, why is nobody else taking offence to this guy killing crows so that he can spend the night with the geisha yeah. Board Game Geek translates it as I'd kill all the crows in the world to sleep with you in the morning 
exactly. It's an old <laughs> song, apparently, sung in the yeah. red light district in the mid eighteen hundreds. Yeah, so, <laughs> but that that part that part's in the in the first bit, the rule book. Because um, I I sat and read the rules for this one. Um, the the mechanic works really well though. So there's a there's a board which looks like one of the kind of Japanese kind of bamboo doors, mm-hmm. uh, and underneath it is another is another board that's got a picture of a geisha on it, and it's broken up into four time slots. So you start at two a.m. and it goes to four a.m. and six a.m. and eight a.m. So uh, yeah, you can still be there at eight a.m. if you wanted to be. That's a lot of time to be spending with geishas. <laughs> exactly, um, but on each slot there's a, a certain number of of birds. Uh, so on the first one it was eight crows, and then on the next one it's five crows, and then I think it was three crows and two cocks. Uh, yes, childish. That was the and then the final <laughs> one, the final one was like two crows, a cock, and a warbler. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike, come on! You're a grown man. Okay, come on, Mike. Pull together. Right. Okay. Yeah, we'll tell we'll, tell we'll, us more about your cock, please. <laughs> tell me about your cock warbler. Yes. <laughs> so, in in your turn, you drew three bird cards, which would be either crows, cocks, warblers, or bats. You didn't want bats. Uh, and you chose two room cards. Now, you could straight out discard a room card to kill a bird. Or the room cards had special actions on them as well, so you could... Uh, the bats, I said, they were special. If you had a bat, you had to deal with the bat first, because they make a lot of noise during the night. Made sense. So you had to get rid of bats before you could get rid of birds. Uh, but there were certain cards that were like a dart gun that let you kill a bird without having to kill a bat first. Uh, there was one card that was a, uh, a net which let you got rid of get rid of all birds of one type. There was another card that let you draw the top bird card and whatever bird it was, you could get rid of all of those birds in front of you. And at the end, you could keep playing door cards until you ran out, or you just declared that your turn had ended. Uh, and the objective was basically not to have the number of birds on the marker for that time in front of you at the end of your turn. Otherwise, the birds had woken up and you were kicked out of the geisha house. And in amongst the bird cards, there was uh, a bell. And when the bell card came out, that's when the slot, the time slot moved up, mm-hmm. and therefore the game got more difficult. There were also a couple of room cards in there that let you screw over other players. Literally, so, or? Well. <laughs> and so it, one of them was give another player all of your crows. And another one was a complete room swap. So you took all of your birds from your room and gave them to the other player and they gave gave you theirs. Um, It took a bit of a while for us to kind of work out how to play it because of the kind of 
badly translated instructions and the crazy drawings all over the instructions that made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, because we were like, this card does that, and there's this drawing, but where's that drawing? It's not on any of these cards. But it was, yeah, it was uh. just there extra illustrative purposes, I think. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 it really worked quite well. We had, a, we had a lot of fun playing it, mostly because of the names that were on the cards, but and the whole concept of it. Sure. And the fact that we had to all declare that our turn was over and the next person could take theirs. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun I had with that. That's cool. um, one other game that was also a card game that I uh, played. Uh, so I mentioned Warm Acre earlier. Uh, I got a card game from them called Game of Blame, which we sat down sat down with Stuart once he was finished for the day. And Stephen, we played this. And basically all players, two to four player card game, standard kind of 55 deck uh, all players are um, what you call them uh, members of the council and the queen is much displeased with her council uh, and you have to deal with all the issues of the realm and basically get to the end of the game and be the one that the queen is not least pleased with she doesn't be happy, need to be happy with you. She just has to be no, she doesn't more be angry at someone else. All you have to just keep your head, and you're yeah. fine. Um, so all the cards... So there's, I think it's six different... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six different councils. So you've got the Spymaster, the General, the Bishop, Archbishop, the Wizard, the Viceroy, and the Treasurer. And they're obviously all in charge of different parts of the realm. And then, as you come through the deck, cards come out and they are issues that the realm faces. So, this one, for example, is another holy war. And that is the responsibility of the general and of the archbishop. So there's um, the wax seal stamps, a different colour for each member of the council. And those stamps are on the top left of the cards. And what players do is they've got a hand of three cards and they can play any number of cards down onto the table from none at all to all three. Uh, and if you play if you play one card down, then you just pick one back up from the draw pile. If you play no cards down, you, pick, you draw three. If you play two cards down, you can swap your roll either with another player or with one of the ones that are available from from the excess pile. Or if you play all three cards down onto the discard pile, then you have to accuse one of the other players of basically, you're basically giving them the blame of all the issues that are in the, in the discard pile. And when that happens, you go through the discard pile and you tally up all the cards that have uh, your own symbol and the symbol of the person that you're accusing and whoever has the most basically gets the blame and takes all of those issues into their hand okay so you have to try uh, and basically just kind of hope that 
or not a hope, but try and keep track of whether you think they have more than you. Yes. Yeah, you've just got to kind of keep track of, of which issues have been put into the pile and how likely it is that if someone accuses you, you're going to get the blame. But the fact that you can swap your roles out is quite a, a sneaky way to get around around that. So you could start piling in cards that maybe do have your your stamp, but as well as other player stamps. Mm-hmm. But then when you, your turn gets back around to you, you play down two cards and you swap your role for somebody else. And all of a sudden, there's no cards of your colour in that pile. Um, there's also kind of advanced rules which where, where each one of the roles has kind of special abilities per se. So there's a secrets pile as well. When you when you accuse another player, once that player takes, once whoever gets the blame draws the cards, all the other players get to bury one of their issues as a secret. And come the end of the game, the secrets don't count for anything. Okay. Um, so, as an example of one of the advanced rules, there's the general, and if you have no secrets, then you can't be accused by another player. Okay. So it just basically means the general can't be the first person to be accused. Yeah. Um, and then the treasurer, if you play zero cards, draw three, and then put one of them straight into the secrets pile as well. So the, the idea is at the end of the game, once the final issue has been lifted from the draw pile, that is the game over. And you then have to go through your hand and count how many issues still lie at your feet. So how many cards are in your hand that have the stamp matching the role that you have at the end of the game. So you're kind of playing it on on two levels. You're always watching what's having what's happening in the current discard pile and trying to make sure that you don't end up with those cards. But you're also trying to aim for having as few of a certain colour stamp and also being that role by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I think so. Yeah. Um, so then basically by at the at the end of the game, once you've counted them up, whoever has the most issues at their feet loses. Yeah. Or more precisely, if you have a score of zero, you have no issues that are of your of your um, yeah your kind at the end then you're a loyal subject and nobody <laughs> else if nobody else scores zero you receive the queen's favour nice if you have a score of between one and three you may keep your miserable life for now if you have a score between four and nine you're banished from the realm and if you have a score over ten then you are to be flayed boiled in oil hanged drawn quartered and cursed to perdition lovely I don't think I'd yes. survive Past, like the first one of those things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We we had a quick game of it, and it was it was a lot of fun. We just kept accusing each other of all sorts of things. Um. And you can you can play it as a kind of really quick card game, just looking at the colors and, and paying attention to that, or you can properly kind of role play it out by, you know, 
stating all the issues that get put down on the table, like tax the fairies and corpse have failed, crops have failed even, scandalous gossip, uh, the dragons have returned. Uh, you can have you can kind of have a lot of a lot of fun with the the story of the game as well. Cool. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I looked up, I looked up, so I quite like the art style of it. It looks, looks nice. Yeah, I like the art style of that crow game as well. It, it looks real pretty. It is. I really, really want to try and find a copy of that. Yeah, this is like the kind of game that it's nice that it sounds like it's fun, but it'd also be nice just to have on your shelf anyway, <laughs> even though yeah. it wasn't. I'm going to tap yeah. it to relatives I have in Japan and see if I can find a copy of that. It sounds sure. like it did come out, or it is coming out in English. Well, it is, it is translated. Like, the cards, on the cards, it says, you know, it's got the thing in English. Yeah, it's no, got the I mean, there's a, there's a translated the name for it as well. Uh, it's not It's not why I wrote down, for sure. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I closed it now. It's Crow something, though, but it's not what you wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me check. It's on Board Game Geek. It's called Crow's Overkill. Crow's Overkill. Fair uh, enough. I don't know. Maybe that maybe it came out in America and not here or something. That yeah. happens. Annoying really the, yeah. The version we were playing had the kanji symbols at the top of the card and then the translation yeah. of the objective underneath. But like even even there was a space between the end of the the word and the apostrophe before an S on cards. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's got an English name on Porking Week. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, a lot of the Japanese games that I brought back from Essen from uh, Japan brand were the same. You know, they were dual language. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with what you see Nick here, and it possible that, you know, a European or American company is going to remake the game. Yeah, that makes sense. Excellent. Uh, well, that I think that's it for everything we've played. Um, yes. Have Have we got any news? I deleted it all because we're on really late. But there's an expansion <laughs> for uh, Deception Murder in Hong Kong on Kickstarter. Yes, I've seen that. That looks very good, actually. Also, there's a spin-off of um, Betrayal at House in the Hill coming. Ooh. Which yes. is set in the fucking Dungeons and Dragons universe with betray- it's got betrayal at Baldur's Gate, and I want it even though I don't like House of the Hill that much because I really like Baldur's Gate. Yes, yes, um, that actually looks quite good as well. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I I have got enough uh, betrayal at House of the Hill to last me a lifetime. I think because um, uh, Paul got me the the last expansion from uh, Christmas. Which I really liked that game that we played. Yeah, I thought that went well. That was one of the more fun games of Betrayal I've played. But I generally yeah. just I'm not a big fan of that game. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very polarizing. Some people either like it or hate. It. You know, I don't yeah. think there's. It's okay. People either like it or hate it. I think. I think like it's just some games of it work and some games of it don't, and that means that overall for me I don't think it's that great a game because it's not consistently great for me like every game of Inish I've played has been great 
yes, every game yeah. of Star Wars Rebellion I've played has been great. Yeah, that makes sense. Every, yeah. every game of Letters from Whitechapel I've played has been great. Yes, yeah. Two or three of the games of that have been great. So, yeah. Also, this Baldur's Gate version of it still has the stupid, shitty little side clips for the character sheets. So, never mind. It's terrible. Don't buy it. <laughs> Don't support it. Don't support it. It's garbage. Um, yeah, there was other game news and stuff. Um, I thought the one that would be most interesting for us here is uh, Rebellion, the studio that makes Sniper Elite. And more notably yes. for us, possibly... Uh, Zombie Army are creating a new game that they've just announced called Strange Brigade which is a 1-4 player co-op game where you shoot waves of undead creatures such as mummies and monsters and zombies Uh it's basically Zombie Army trilogy but they've spun it out with a new kind of theme and setting and stuff like that and it looks really cool Um, yeah so it seems like it'd probably be up your alley Mick yes yeah, it'd be good for that. Um, yeah, uh, and then there's a new Need for Speed game announced, but they announced like nothing about it, basically, except for the fact that it's a racing game, possibly. It's called Need Lovely. for Speed Payback. Need for Speed Payback. Yeah. Ah. It looks like it's probably going to be heavily inspired by uh, the most popular uh, driving movie series around just now. Right. Mm, fair enough. Well, uh, the only info that I can see from it is which cars are going to be in the car park, car pack that you get if you pre-order it. I know, which is insane. I can't believe they're announcing fucking pre-order things before they announce what the game even is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ubisoft did that with Far Cry uh, 4, I think it was, before they even showed any gameplay of the game or announced what the game was. They're just like, we're making a new Far Cry. If you pre-order, you'll get this gun. And people were like, what? I guess the game has guns in it. We probably could have guessed that anyway, but still, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. Silly. Anyway, I don't have AR news. I mean, I did, sure. but I deleted it all, so it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, By the time this podcast well, goes uh, up, E3 will have happened anyway. So Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, new releases. Uh, if I'll just mention things that are coming out that were probably interested in um dark four comes out june the 9th yes yeah, uh, I oh god there's a gate this is probably for you kieran it's from for the playstation vita from rising star games it's yeah. called drive girls google <laughs> that uh also one you skipped over uh cladon returns uh this is sengoku um cladon was a really cool little psp series uh of top-down kind of Diablo-ish Zelda dungeon crawling games um, they were really cool and this is them kind of reviving that series after being dormant for a wee while oh yeah this this drive All right. looks up my alley can we get a review <laughs> this guy is this the thing that we can get? I'm just you know, just suggesting maybe I, mean, I, I, can do it. <laughs> I don't don't bang no do it. I will review Don't. this. What kind of game is it? I should probably should have looked that up before I looked up screenshots. Sorry, please yes, continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, what else have we got? Um, MotoGP7 comes out on June the 15th. Uh, 
let's say yeah I, I was interested in MotoGP uh, quite good games yeah uh, solid. ARMS comes out for the Switch on the 16th of June uh, Kieran I think you're looking forward to that one a bit uh, somewhat um, I didn't mention we were talking about games we played because I only played like one round of it in a hotel room on Wi-Fi and couldn't really connect stuff but I played the test punch for that um, but I basically just got to play the tutorial and it, it seems fine but I, I don't think it's going to be for me really right um, yeah so uh, and then the only other thing that's here is uh, God Wars Future Past comes out in the 16th as well I have no idea what that is um, but uh, yeah just looking at the screenshot uh, I know this doesn't make for good radio but the screenshot that Kieran has sent <laughs> us in the group chat for Drive Girls is oh wow <laughs> yeah um, an experience yeah, straight out of Japan Drive Girls is developed by legendary Tamsoft and features characters designed by popular illustrator Yugumi this fast paced story driven game transports you to a world where it's normal for humans to transform into supercars wait what? <laughs> <laughs> oh no Ben, ben we, two copies of that immediately we need this <laughs> A world that's being invaded by mechanized bug enemies. It's up to the Drive Girls, five supercar transforming supergirls, to defend their home of Sun Island, cross the finish line, and save the day. Oh, we need this. It's like a hack and slash. It has multiplayer, so actually, yeah, we do need at least two copies. It's got multiplayer, <laughs> four players. Plays any of the five Drive Girls in this action driving hack and slash hybrid, and battle it out in human or supercar form to reign victory over the enemy. Players can boost the Drive Girl stats in the garage by tuning and customising their ride with new parts and sleek decals using the <laughs> currency earned after every mission. The tighter your tuning, the more protected Drive Girls are against losing their clothing and comb. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I might even just buy this game. Oh, this looks interesting. Oh, the the tra- the trailer, the little bit, of the trailer that I've seen there is just absolutely mental. Yeah, I think we we might need to buy that just to. Oh, that's the thing. Oh wow, but cool. So yeah, that's it for new releases. Is uh, is there anything else quickly that anyone wants to plug? Because um, we have been running quite long. And um, the website. Yeah, go to the website. Like I said, we came back with a pile of games from UK Games Expo, so there are going to be a substantial number of board game reviews on the site, which there hasn't been for a while, so... Yeah, that's true. I keep saying I'm going to do videos and then I don't, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, um, yeah, go and see us at glitchfreegaming.com. There will be uh, some awesome little board game things coming. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. Cool. Um, but other than that, I think uh, the only thing left to do is uh, obviously thank Ben for coming on and uh, checking out UK Games Expo and telling us all about that. Yes. So, okay. cool. I think you're going to come with me next year. Yes, yeah. Uh, I am definitely going to come to check it out with you and play some games and do some stuff yeah. next year. I think I'll be try and go next year as well. Cool. Excellent. No, so that would be good. Than go to Essen as well. 
Yes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, cheaper travel and, you know, yes. not necessarily yeah. uh, yeah. spending. Um, yeah. But uh, other than that, uh, thank you very much to everyone for uh, downloading our podcast and listening to us. And uh, we will uh, try and get the, the podcast coming out a bit more frequently again. Um Real life's a, a bastard when it gets in the way, but we'll try not to let that happen as much as it, we can. That's a, I go on holiday for four, six days. Yep, and that's it. The whole thing's well, shot to hell. Don't podcast for a month. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back to usual nonsense uh, as soon as you listen to this. So we will see you later then. See ya. Bye.